Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Let's lock in. This is Unrivaled. Yes! Yes! The teams you live for. The sports you love. With Scott Mitchell and Alex Keurig, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. Hey, everybody. Welcome on in. It's Unrivaled. Alex Keurig, Scott Mitchell, thanks for being with us. All right, I'm back. Had a couple days off. And here we are now. Scott, uh, I'm glad to be back at work. You know those... I'm glad you're back to work. You take a couple days off and you go, you know what? This isn't all it's cracked up to be. Taking days off? Let's get back to the office. Yeah. That's how they got... That's how they gotten us as Americans. You know what I mean? We just do not take time. Everybody else in the world, take your vacation time, feel great about it, move on. Here, I don't know. The low self-esteem American worker does not want to ruffle any feathers. That's the old school way of doing it. Don't I don't take know what world off. you're in. I'm happy to take time off. I, I'm just telling Give you. Give me any excuse to take time off? Yes. Sign me up. I think it's because my dad just like never missed work. And then he was like, you also will not miss work. And so anytime I miss, even though we have paid time off and all that, et cetera, et cetera, it's hard to take it off. So there you go. But I'm glad to be back at work. Uh, anything happened while I was gone? How'd the Jazz do last night? I didn't catch. Uh... <laughs> okay, all year long. That was last night, right? All, all year long, I, I felt really good about the Jazz. <laughs> last night, I did not feel good about so, the Jazz. I, I, I was kind of, there was a part of me that felt sad, and there was a mm. part of me that was like, how bad, if if this is as bad as it's going to be, can we hold out for 20-ish games? Yes. Well, let me, okay. can, we, can we make it through? And I, I don't know that I can. I, the last night hurt me. It was kind of hard on me. You can't go because you've been waiting all year to do, to go into tank mode. You can't you can't just do it now. I don't think I can now. Uh, okay. Well, let me explain why you can, and we're going to kick the show off with it. So let's jump in here. We'll talk about uh, what the Jazz's problem is or what it's uh, what's not its problem. I mean that that might be really what we're talking about. Let's jump into the cut right now. There, 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 there we go. The 
Christian. <laughs> Undeniable, unrivaled. Top sports story of the hour. Here's what made the cut. Ain't nothing like it. The cut and our program brought to you by, as always, the folks at G2G Bar. Uh, so I, I have seen G2G Bars in way more places now. And I actually was at a Maverick the other day, and they were and they had the boxes there. They were out, but they were empty. And so I asked the lady, I said, "Hey, do you have any more of these?" And I held the box up, and she's like, "Mike," and he goes, "Nope, gone." I said, "Hey, man, Ooh. you got to start buying more of these G two G bars." He goes, "It's actually funny how many people come in and buy those." I said, "Good, keep it going. They are they are that tasty. The G two G bar, G two G bar dot com, Holiday Oil, Maverick, Costco." Associated Foods, all in the all in the refrigerated section. It's a protein bar that actually tastes amazing, instead of the uh, the gross ones you've been eating. All right, and also Trajan Wealth, your local trusted financial fiduciary, 801-899-7600, or their website trajanwealth.com. Did I get them all in there? Good, Jer. All right, let me bring this up. The Jazz had there've been a, a handful of these games, four or five of these games this year, where you went, oh boy, that's actually. Ugh. That was really gross. And it was actually another Spurs game that I felt the same exact way. The day after Christmas, do you remember this? They go down to San Antonio. Yep. And it was a 9 or 10 win San Antonio team at that point. Right. And the Jazz were going in there, and they've been they've been playing well. They've been getting things going. It was the day after Christmas. They go in. They go to San Antonio, who had won four games at home all year at that point. And Jordan Clarkson says, oh, yeah, this is hometown. Going in. He's going in his hometown. Loves to perform in front of his friends in San Antonio. And they laid a freaking egg, and they lose to the Spurs then. And then they, on Saturday night, and I was doing the 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 show over at the stadium. I was doing the pre-half and post-game shows. So I got kind of an up-close view of them being down very early to this team, looking really sloppy at the front end of this game, and then coming back and winning by 16, mm-hmm. even though they were trailing by double digits even in the second half because the whole thing was – this Spurs team doesn't know how to go 48 minutes. Ha! Instead, the Jazz come out kind of quick last night, look like garbage late in the game. And I know there's some guys out, and I know we're kind of seeing some new dudes, and I'm wondering if this is what the new version of the Jazz is going to look like as they hit the road for a really, really hard next six days. Because being on the road the next six, or not six days, six games, you're going Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City, and then it's just another, and then the Mavericks and then the East Coast. Okay, I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't upset with the end of the game only because, um, there's a lot of players out. Okay, yes. there, there's a, I mean, a lot of players. Johnny Juzang's and, taking threes, and a lot of players that you know, Where you uh, were in who were out, yes. for, like o- Ochai <laughs> right? And and I was so I was really excited because I was like, man, he's looking good. You know, he's making shots. He's get he's being com- he's feeling comfortable in the starting lineup, and you know, and he's a player. It just looks like his upside just is, you know, you know, where does it go? Where does it end? When he gets hurt, you're like, oh man, come on. He's a guy that needs to play, you know, and how do you how do you get hurt and you can't get hurt? We don't need this Dante Exum stuff going on. No, right? You no, just absolutely. you just don't want to have you want a guy on the court really having an opportunity to to see what he's and then I was kind of excited about <clears throat> Chris Dunn. And it just seemed like like last night he just I don't know that he was not the same aggressiveness that he's been. There was some tentativeness. Maybe they were asking him to do something different. He was in the game at the end trying to close it out. You know, he had the ball in his hand trying to close out a game. And 
maybe that moment was a little bit, you know, too big for him. But I, I just, it's just hard when not all of the pieces are in there at the right time because you, you like watching the gap, the, this, this team. I, I don't, I don't expect them to win in the playoffs and, and whatever, but I just like watching the development of the players. Yes. I, but, but see, and Walker Kessler kind of, he, he kind of was a rookie last night. Yeah. You know, he just, it was a different thing. He just, you know, kind of doing some dumb things and, and so, uh, uh, but I, I, last night just felt really weird to me. It just felt like there wasn't the same energy, enthusiasm to try to close out the game and compete and win. And the only thing that I can attribute to is there's just so many new guys. You know, I mean, I mean, that, it almost feels like it. That game felt to me like the Jazz were scraping the bottom of the barrel, like they were just like, like putting Juzang on the on the court, and you're just like, okay, well. Good for him. Yeah. When you have to say good for him, it's not. Yeah. It's never good. You're, oh, hey, you know what? Good for him. And that's Jordan, a, come on, Jordan Clarkson not being in the game. That's clearly, huge. Talon uh, Horton Tucker. He just, you know, it, it, I love Will Hardy when he tries to explain players because I think he's very honest about it. Yeah, and and he says it in a way. It's a little bit like my own mother would say about me. <laughs> she goes, "You can tell someone to go to hell, and they're happy to do it." Right. And that's kind of how Will Hardy talks about these players. Even his team, he goes, we're imperfectly perfect. You know, he's, he's like, in other words, these guys are screwing up, but you know what? I'm getting perfect effort from these guys. And he goes, you know, with Talon, I, I don't want to stop him from being aggressive, but there are just a lot of times he's kind of out. You know, he's, he's not saying it, but he's saying it. And, and there's just some, you know, it's like sometimes he's out of control. Sometimes he just, but I don't want to take his aggressiveness away from him. So there's this fine line between. We got to work with him. We got to work yeah, with this guy. And, That's and, what they're talking and about. And there's a lot of guys that they're, that he's working with. You know, you got a lot of guys you're trying, even Larry Markinen, you know, there, there's a, there's been a process with him and the process with all of these players. I, I, I would bet Will Hardy went home last night and goes, that was more that I could handle. Like I got so many new guys in here, I just this is that's when Danny I've hit, calls. I've hit my limit right, right here. That's when Danny Ainge calls or Justin Zanuck calls and goes, "Hey kid, you feeling okay? How? <laughs> hey, sorry, I wasn't able to be at the game tonight. Um, anything you want to tell me? How you're feeling? And like you don't. And obviously he's not going to go. You guys are hosed me on this one, man. Like I'm getting screwed here. But here's the here's the insane thing. Okay. Now they won on Saturday night and they were at thirty one and thirty one and that put them in the seventh spot. Yeah. And they only fell to the ninth seed because the Pelicans still keep losing right behind them. So the Pelicans just keep losing. Uh the Lakers are still really not finding themselves either. They've still got some stuff to figure out. OKC is OKC kinda, is just like they they they've lost four in a row. So I mean they're gonna play OKC twice. And they've got OKC two times I mean, down there, which will be an interesting thing to 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 see them to see happen to them. The Jazz right now are back under 500. They're still in that in that play-in situation, which I don't even know if we need to say that, or I don't even know if we want to. But they're in the ninth spot right now in the West, but they're only two and a half games out of the fourth spot. That's how crazy and stupid the Western Conference has been all year. No one has made a freaking move. No one is making a move. No, except for the Grizzlies and the Nuggets, who are just who just continue to keep who just continue to win. The Kings, who are now on a four-game win streak, they continue to win. They're 11 games above 500. After that, 4 through 12 is separated by four games. 
Four through 12 is separated by four games. Four through 13 is separated by four and a half. This is, I can't tell if this is a really difficult conference or this conference as a whole kind of stinks because do you buy the Nuggets being a championship team right now? I still don't. It's really weird, too, because you have a guy who's on his way possibly to a third MVP in a row, and his game keeps getting better, and no one wants to give him the credit for it. It seems so weird. Well, Magic came out and talked about the Lakers and said, watch out if the, if the Lakers make, make it in the playoffs. And, and I think there are a lot of teams Who'll be in that, that get category? healthy and, and could, could, make, could be a difficult out in the playoffs. The Mavericks you know, are one of those teams. Mavericks are one. The Clippers are the one Clippers of those teams. The Clippers are one. The, the, the Warriors, Warriors are obviously. one. Yeah, yes. I, mean, I mean, these are these are savvy veteran teams. The Suns are, are waiting healthy. for them to wake up. There's there's a lot of – and those are all the teams I think everybody thought were going to be At the, the, top. the really good teams yep. in the conference. So as the end of the season plays out and as you get into the playoffs – I wouldn't be surprised to see. I don't see it with the Jazz. I just don't think they have enough. I, I really don't. Uh, I, I, I. You know what word I hate? In I don't even know that I'm. I'm convinced that they're a playing team at this point. I mean, I mean, I understand that everybody in the West is not playing very well, but I think if all those teams you you just said actually played up to the their potential, I think they're better teams than the, the ceiling than on the those teams are. is a lot higher. I just do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with I mean, with KD going to Phoenix and with Kyrie going to Dallas, you know, I I think it makes them better. I mean, they, you know, and, and that's you know, everyone plays well together and the whole thing, and they mesh and they stay healthy. How do you? But like, if you're if you're Will Hardy, how do you manage the rest of the season? Because just trying to win every game is fine. Doing it with uh, a lot of players in and out, or trying to figure out, you know. I don't know what kind of pressure they feel to develop guys, you know, all at the same time. I, I'm not sure what that means. If you're Will Hardy, yeah. where do you I, – like, I, what are you trying to carve out here? Are you trying to just get to the playoffs this year? Is that your goal? I, you know, this whole thing, you always talking about aiming high, right, and going, we want to be Western Conference champions. You know, it's like, yeah, come on. So trying to temper your expectations of your own team and understand who those guys are, and when it changes so much – then your expectations have to obviously. Well, change. I don't. I don't think the Jazz this year have ever said we want to be Western Conference champions or we want to be this or that. Uh, what it feels like they've wanted to be is competitive. They've wanted to be competitive. They've wanted to create a culture of doing things the right way. Uh, one of the things that I'm not buying into the right way as a culture uh, is the Jazz have have been too careless with the basketball. In, in kind of giving these players some autonomy and freedom and, you know, an ability to express yourself and, and develop your game, uh, that that has come, I think, at sometimes with a, a little bit of a penalty in, in that this team turns the ball way over way too many times. And uh, and it's it's one of those things that they can't be comfortable with and they can't just accept and continue to do if they're really going to create this culture. But to answer your question about Will Hardy, I think – I think he's like a mad scientist in a laboratory. I think he's a guy that just goes, what if I did this? What if I had this guy look like this? What if I put this guy in this situation? What if I did this lineup? And I think there's just a lot of questions about what what is what if, what if, what if, what if, and let's just try it. And and it's one of those things where you go, we, we don't have anything to lose. Like, it's not like we're going to lose our job. It's not like we're going to lose our team. But in in all reality, we're going to find a heck of a lot out of these players and who they are, what they're capable of if we if we try it. 
And I, I think he's got a good sense and a, and a feel and a read on the players and kind of who they are. And, and, but now he's got these kind of new guys and it's like, yeah, well, let's just see how they fit into this. And, you know, if there's really, you know, is Chris Dunn really a guy worth keeping long-term and let's, let's just put him in the game. And I mean, they kind of had, they were kind of forced to put him in the game at the end, uh, with, with a out, but, uh, can he close out games? Does he have the ability to make, make stuff happen? And, and, uh, in, in a pressure, when it matters moment, you know, he's, he's a guy that's kind of come in and been the middle reliever and, and just been a, a spark plug off the bench. But, you know, you're a guy that, that can close out a game. And last night it didn't look so good. No. And I, you know, but, last but you last just, you get to try it, you know, well, who cares? Last night was a mess. And you, it, that happens in a, in a long year where you're trying to figure out some things and guys are out who you, you know, are, are, are leaning on quite a bit, you know, in the case of, of, uh, of Jordan Clarkson being out, you rely on those 21 points a game. You know what I mean? Like that that's an almost an automatic from him. But you know, he was he didn't have a particularly good game on Saturday either. But that's when Chris Dunn, uh Talon Horton Tucker and uh oh who was it that night? Uh, it was there there was just so many other guys. They had they had five guys in double figures at the half because they're just you know Mixing this thing up and just finding a bunch of, of finding a bunch of guys who are just showing up. I've been really impressed by Chris Dunn. That's a guy who I feel like fits that jazz DNA. He has enough of a feistiness to him. Uh, you know, in the in the game on Saturday, he gets shoved and he gets right back in the guy's face, and then another player walks him over like you're on a ten day contract, buddy. We can't we can't do this. We can't get a fight during your ten day contract. And I just thought I like the feistiness of that guy. Like that's a in my mind, that's a guy I want to explore more. Taylor Horton Tucker has been a guy that we've liked this season and seen kind of him. Ochaya Baji has shown flashes, but he was not good last night. And and so, uh, but but Jordan Clarkson, I think, had nine points on Saturday and then not playing last night. Like, you got to figure out how to play without that guy. That's just the way it is. Uh, his thumb looked kind of significant. It was, it was not good. You know, it, It's going to be a little bit of a stretch. For you me. know what I, I like? I like the relationship between Will Hardy and Walker Kessler. They have like a. It's, it's a love hate relationship, but it's um, a dad. It's like a dad son. It really is, right? and and uh, Walker is just this happy go lucky, and I love my jazz fans, and I love being here, and I love all my teammates, and man, I'm just <laughs> I'm just soaking this all up, and I'm loving every minute of it. And then he does this bonehead move, and he comes off the court, and and Har- and Will Hardy doesn't doesn't like slap his hand, doesn't look at him. He does what my dad did he when just, I crashed the truck yeah. when I was seventeen. Right. Just kind of go to your room. Don't don't talk. I to remember me. this, and this feels like it. My dad walks out to the car, okay, and it was late at night. He comes out and he had a robe on, <laughs> okay. Right. Dad has a robe and on, slippers, and he just looks at the truck, shakes his head, and walks in the house. Doesn't say yeah. a word. Yep. And that was worse than anything you could right. have got, yeah. which is what which is, Kessler it, it, got to- last night. No, totally. And mm-hmm. and Will Hardy, it's Will it's, Hardy's it's, like looking at his watch as he walks yeah. by, ignoring him. And he goes, <laughs> <laughs> but like with a guy like Jordan Clarkson. You know, he talks to him. Yeah, he'll walk he, him he, over. He inter- you know, he has an interaction with him. And I think it's a fascinating move because he's he's, he's sending a message to Walker Kessler. You you got to stop with the silliness. And, and I understand you're a happy-go-lucky, good old country boy, you know, from Alabama. But you got to get some nastiness to you. You got to get some – you got to get some smarts. You got to get – and I'm not insinuating that he's dumb – but he's got to he's got to get you no. Know, it's a game adjustment. I, I cool level. Uh, uh, basketball IQ. You got to understand certain things that you just you cannot do. 
and and I need my guys inside to be to be a little bit nasty and they and you and you're going to have to fight and and it's just a fascinating it's a fascinating thing for me to watch body language body language of these players cuz uh Simone Fontecchio is just so in his head and it's probably cuz his name is long right <laughs> well, when you have to when you have a long name like Come that on. He, you know, he finally like. I feel. He, I, I think feel he, so bad for him. He he broke his drought. I think of of missed three pointers on Saturday, and the entire place erupted because they're yeah. kind of like. I think people want. They're pulling for him. <laughs> they just they want him to do well. Johnny Juzang scores his first NBA right. points last night, and you go, if you would have just told me that, and I, let's say I hadn't watched the game, yeah. and you just called me, you go, hey, Johnny Juzang got his first points of, the, of his NBA crowd. I go, oh shoot, they got blown out then, huh? Like, or they lost to the Spurs, yeah. huh? Which is exactly kind of what happened. What happened. Yeah. You get you get uh, this team who was not able to string together forty eight minutes. This Spurs team uh, is like this Jazz team in the sense that they just don't. They have a bunch of young guys who have not really strung it all together yet, and they don't know how to play forty eight minutes. And that Jazz lineup, in its con- the way it was constituted last night, did not know how to string together a full forty eight minutes. Here, here's what here's what was the other thing that was a little disappointing was Larry Markinen in the fourth quarter. Like he's he's kind of emerging as your as your guy, you know. He's your all star. He's you know it's it looked like he made this bump from the all star game and confidence in his game seemed to kind of go to a different level. But having him disappear at the end of the game uh, was was a little bit of a surprise. And it, and I wonder if it's as good as he is. He's a player that kind of needs someone to play off of. Mike Connolly was a guy that he could play off. Uh, Colin Sexton was a guy, you know, when, when, what, you know, the, um, I think Talon is kind of a guy that he's trying to figure out. It just seems like, it seems like he's not totally, I can create a shot on my own all the time in the, in the, in the clutch moments. Sure. It just felt like that last night. I may, I may be wrong, but when you have your star, that's what, that's when the star gets paid their money is in those moments. And, and he kind of disappeared last night. There is a, as soon as you think you know something about this team, and it's been like this all season long, as soon as you think you know something about this team, they have a night like last night, and you go, I guess that I should uh, readjust my sights again. For the millionth time, Jazz fans have readjusted their expectations, readjusted their sights. But again, the implication was that, and we keep saying we were going to do this, you know what, every night's awesome. Every night's great. I I don't care what happens. This season is already a raving success. Haven't we said that? But then you have nights like last night, and you go, yeah, but still, that was garbage. Yeah, but still, that was a terrible game last night. That was one of the Jazz top three worst games of the season last night. Actually, you know what was really good about that game? I, I'm not, I'm not going nah, but, but to disagree with I you. I want to find the silver lining. That's I'm gonna, your job, I'm going to disagree okay. in, in this regard. The one thing that Jazz have been playing well is defense. La- the last seven or eight games that Jazz have actually, their, their defense has improved. Now it might come at a cost to their offense, and I think you've got some guys that go, "Okay, uh, I'm not 100 percent confident in my offensive game, but I am in defense." So uh, you know, Ochai's going to play hard. Uh, Dunn's going to play hard. You, you've got some that you know, uh, Toscano Anderson has come oh, in and yeah. played hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've and, and they've and they've and it's been different, you know. And and then you you. Uh, augment with that with the the other guys that are in there, you know, Olenek and Kessler, and Kessler brings a defensive presence just in who he is, and Markinen, you know, has some ability as well. 
So to me, that is, you know, the one good thing. But, you know, to be able to clean it up, you know, I, on offense at the end of the game, just that, that was kind of the thing last night. And I, I'm trying to figure out free throws. How do they miss half of them? Like, how are they so good a night they before? They were 81% and then it's just like, yeah, the night I before. Mean, yeah. I mean, Olenek, clearly Olenek's hurt because – And on. it's throwing off his, his ability to shoot free throws. And he can't jump. I mean, it's not that he could really jump before, but it's like he really can't jump. But basically now he kind of slides along the floor and it kind of moves, but there's no elevation in his – you know, and and if you saw the ankle and how he turned it, it's amazing that he's actually playing. Uh, so, you know, there's just there's just a – I'm not. I'm not worried about the Jazz. I'm just like, it was a hard I don't, watch. I don't. It, it was really hard, and I don't. And I guess that's the thing. That's it, right there, Alex. It was a hard watch, if, and it, it was one it, night. There you it, go. But is it going to be this way the rest of the year? I don't know. I'll tell you. The Are first we going to have some a lot of hard nights like this to watch? And could you imagine if this was this team all season long? Yeah. That would be a rough year if you're a Utah. Well, Jazz they, they would have been right there with the Spurs in terms of a record. And you know that was. To me, that's the first half, really they've had kind of three out of the last four halves that they've played have not been good. I mean, they, they had a decent they had a good second half that got them that win on Saturday, but I didn't think they had they haven't strung together a full game in a minute. And that's uh that's you, been tough you know to watch. It would be really hard hmm. to be a lottery team and to not get the top two oh, picks. Oh no. That to me would just be the kiss of death. So you're so you're awful, and then you get the four you get the fourth pick. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Now that now I agree, yeah. and that's why you go just please don't don't do this because that's going to be the heartbreak that you you realize when you're a jazz fan. I mean, uh, uh, if you're if you're a jazz fan and this is what you're aiming for, that's the wrong way to look at it. Hey, Johnny Juzang got his first NBA points. Well, then we're not doing very well. Let's take a break. We'll come back when we do. I uh, got more to go around the corner. I've got to I've got to bring something up about this uh, the pitch clock in baseball, and it's less about baseball itself and more just about how I want to consume sports. So stay right here with us. More to go. Ninety-seven-five DKSL Sports Zone. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything it was violent it was senseless and i will never understand it i will never accept it i'm amy donaldson and unfortunately we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives but what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt in a new podcast the letter we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives the realities of grief and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Your home for the best coverage of the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies. This is Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. It's our show, all right? Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.
All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Unrivaled 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. Uh, <clears throat> something going on in my life. F1 starts back up again this weekend. Ooh, and that gave me chills, Alex. <laughs> Listen, I was you five years ago. Rolled my eyes about anybody talking about racing, but I got into. I didn't the say drive I didn't like survive. racing. I know you don't like F1. I've been to Daytona 500. I've been, I get it. I'm, I've been to NASCAR. See, and that's hard for me. Just so no, you, know, you just know, so you know, they go here. You just have to experience this. And they took me to uh, turn four. Yeah, and I stood on the. I wall. get it. You had the headphones on, or you had the you had the uh, the noise canceling uh, headgear. I didn't have on. any headgear on. Well, really, that's no. louder than heck, man. Uh, Twenty four cars came by me going about 188 miles an hour, and it was it changed my life. I so. Yeah, F one starting up this weekend, no, I, I'm, and I get I get a little obsessed with it. So they're back in, and they have their new season of Drives to Survive on Netflix. It showed up, and so uh, just as a little small personal plug, we have our mode our mode push F one podcast on the uh, kslsports.com website or wherever uh, podcasts are found. It's just called Mode Push, an American view of F one. Uh, me and Dan Jimenez. All I have, I have you. so much brain capacity. Only so much. Only so much. And if I put one more thing, one formula, one more thing in my brain, just it's going to explode. No, that's the reason I tell my – I mean, that's the reason I don't do fantasy football. I tell my wife, I go – because she's like, hey, listen, other people do this to escape their job. This is your job, so do you need to do fantasy football? And I said, you know what? You actually make a good point. And it, it, it makes me insane. I just like reality football so much better. I hate losing to I hate losing to like my ten year old. Right. You know, yeah. I can't do it. All right, uh, so there you go. F one firing up this weekend. You should be very excited about it. Bunch of rich guys racing around in a really really expensive car. Uh, here's what we have here, Scott. I wanted to bring up the pitch clock that's going on yep. in baseball. Now we've been doing this at the AAA level for a long time. You've, we've been to these. Uh, we've been to the. Uh, to the to the uh, bees to games. the bees games, and they've been running the pitch clock for a while. Yes, and it has cut the games between two fifteen and two thirty. Yes, and that's exactly where you need it. Okay, baseball. If you want to improve, if you want to get, you need to adjust to us now. You're already cramming 162 games in the schedule, and so a pitch clock and all of the uh, headaches that come with introducing something new that will make your sport more viable as a product on TV because that's what we're talking about. More viable as a product when you're there in person. Now, I can I can deal with the 3-hour game when you're there in person, right? Cuz you pay the money and you think, "Well, I'm going to be here. I got to be there." The length of baseball games does not bother me, by the way. It does on TV. Well, it, yeah. because, and and the way that it gets so well, long I don't is watch the thing. It on TV. The way that it gets long is the thing that bothers me. Right. When you have these pitchers who walk around the mound and uh, sniff their glove, and you got the guy in the batter's box doing the same thing. He has one leg out of the batter's box. He's looking at his third base coach. He's not even looking at him. And then he's, but he's, but he's doing his gloves, doing the Nomar Garcia par with the gloves, messing around and crossing themselves. And by the time every pitch happens, it's about 48 seconds that goes by between pitches. Got it. A minute a pitch is not fun to follow. That's why these guys who are calling baseball games are like, do you see the lady out there in the outfield, Mike? She has, Look how big that pizza is. Like, you don't have this in other sports. You might be able to get it coming back from a break for two seconds, but when baseball has to beat around the bush and not actually 
talk about the game that's going on, you've got a problem. And the pitch clock stuff right now has got people all up in arms. And the Cleveland Guardians, for example, Jose Ramirez, now they're doing this Major League Baseball in training camp to kind of go, hey, what would this look like? This is the next version of their testing. And you know what? All it shows to me, all the complaints that have happened, it shows to me that it needs to happen because these guys have to adjust their game. I do not need yeah. to watch these guys yeah. with their walk-up yeah. songs yeah. and their stupid no. back no. and forth inside the batter's box. It just is a giant waste of time. The, the outfits that they have and Alex. the casual nature of these guys spitting everything in the in the dugout and hanging I out. I think I'm going to disagree with your analysis there. <laughs> when they're when they're lighting each other's feet on fire in the in the dugout. Look, well, the dugout's fine, but don't mess with the music. What are you talking about? Oh, the well, walk-up that, that's music? Why, that's why them, stupid. No, 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 no. No. Are you kidding me? No, well, okay, shorten no, it at least. Hang you on. don't need a whole minute hold, song. Hold on. I'm pissed right now. Hold on. Okay? Music is such a, an important part of every performance. It's the soul. Music is the soul of a of baseball ev- game? Yes. No, it is not. It is oh, definitively oh, not the soul oh, of a baseball I game. I do disagree. Okay, you got you got oh, the guy on Like that guy, no, he's the soul of the no. game. Suddenly? Yes, absolutely. Hold on. Look, they oh, sing. Hang on. They sing songs in baseball. Okay, every performance you go to any sport, any sport <laughs> before it starts. All these basketball players, they're getting ready for the game. Yep. They got their jam on. If I don't get my jam on, I can't play. They have their headsets on. You watch NFL games. Look, music was such an important part of how I got ready for a game. All the way back to high school, I played Sister Christian <laughs> from the from my house uh. to Springville High School's parking lot on every single football game. And if I didn't do it... You were, you were going to lose. It was toast. <laughs> no one put a pitch count on me going to high school. And and I get, look, I like the clock in baseball. I don't like messing with the music. I really don't. Okay. And I'm, I, and, I'm, and I'm dead serious about this. When people perform, they need their music. They have to have their music. Baseball players, all kinds of athletes are ritualistic. Hold on. What's they his have a routine. Music? What's Jose Ramirez's walk-up music? I don't know he, what it he is. Because he talked about how that's the thing that's throwing him off. Look, if exactly, I know. If you think of the wild thing in Major League, I mean, mm. it, the, the fans go crazy. Look, wild you can, you can thing. Take, fine. You can take the slow walk from the bullpen to the to the actual pitching mound. Speed up the game. Don't mess with the music. That's all I'm saying. And music is such – you're, you're, you're a music I guy. I love music. You love and music. And you know what? Jose Ramirez does not need – 13 How? more seconds of his special song to be able to really what? get into his rhythm. What Listen would to our, it in the freaking dugout then. What would our show be like? Without music? If we did not have music. Yeah. What would it be like? I mean, you, all, Well, here's I why mean, it's good for us. You, here's you'd actually see, for us, you you hear less of us because we play a little bit more music. That's good. That's good for us. I, I tolerate your um, rejoins and the music that you pick. Right? My, hip, my hip-hop rejoins? Because I know <laughs> I know that it's the music. Oh, yeah, baby. Yes. I thought you were trying to tell me this is... Uh... No, it's like, I know you need this music. I know you need it to get into the rhythm of our show. And if I took your music away, if I... If I put this a pitch, song imagine if I put a pitch count... <laughs> it's on a rotator. What if, I put a, what if I put a pitch count on Alex and, uh, and, he, and, he, and, and there was less... We literally have a pitch count. 
We have to go to break at certain times. <laughs> Look, let me tell you something. It's Lucy Goosey. Come on, not have a pitch count. <laughs> well, we what, have to call up ball on you. If we you go? have to hit the post at least once a show. At least once a week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but listen, I think I think taking music out of sports Fine. is uh, an absolute shorten our show hypocrisy. from three hours to two hours and thirty minutes. I'll be that, then fine, fine. Or just add more. I mean, we have band of the day. We give away Live Nation tickets. We have, we have you know all what? kinds. Of, That's we have, part of the content. That is not this. Here's the other I, thing. It, What's wrong with it, playing it, the music while they're at the actual at bat? Is that really that big of a deal? Like the well, Jazz could, are coming down the it court. Could, it could throw. It could throw off the pitch. Who cares? The Jazz are coming down the court and they have their tunes playing. And you know what the music is? It's very. It's it, it's it's scientific. They have the music that is playing overhead. It's instrumental. And it's the same music that is pumped into practice as well. Yeah. And so they get into a spot where they can forget about all the people in the crowd a little bit. They can, they can uh, you know, kind of put them, dial themselves in. They, there's a lot of football teams that pump in music to practice. Yes. Yes, we've this watched is, it. This and, is not, and you need to yeah. – Jose Ramirez, though. The only sport that doesn't is golf. Okay, listen. And, and the, the uh, Phoenix Open, we're getting there. But Right. <laughs> we're getting and, there. And aren't people receptive to it? They want the music. People want the music in their sports. Okay, but Jose Ramirez, let me just tell you something right now. You will be you will be run over by this train of your of your sport getting bigger and better. It needs to be a more bite sized game than what we are currently watching. You've got to get to the action. And I know people have gone through and they count up the actual amount of time people are actually playing football during games, and it's pretty yeah. it's pretty small. Like a game, a play to play, and the time between the plays. There, there's something but there's to a be said play about clock on no, every look, play in there. No, I know that there is, but there is something to be said about why. Why do we get in a huddle in football? Because you I, hold I, your hands up and go, hey, "I'm up, everybody." <laughs> <laughs> it's you. It's, time it's to play dumb a little bit. Of, time to play a little bit of music here. Right. Get in the huddle. Yeah, and the quarterback sing kumbaya those, to these, each other. These wide receivers are lined up, and then they see you. No, go, but why? Hey, up, everybody. Why, go, oh my god. Why not? Why not? Not have a huddle. I mean, there is there is some validity to uh, rugby and to Australian rules football. It's like it, the action just never stops. Now, offensive linemen and defensive linemen would be a lot slimmer. They would they would not be these beefy dudes anymore. They'd, they'd all be in serious I was talking shape. about how when the when the Super Bowl was going, like those commercial breaks are insane, and we don't we don't really appreciate it. when you're there in person and a TV break is is happening at a at a college football game, for example, and that TV guy comes out and he's got that big digital clock and it says four minutes thirty seconds. I always go, oh my gosh! And what do they do at the Super Bowl? It's like seven they, minutes. I know, but they extend the halftime by fifteen minutes. Why? Because they play music. music, yeah, and every and the, the halftime show. But the players, the players want to get out of the locker room <laughs> and listen to the music at halftime. That's coach, how much music. Coach, can I? Uh, so I have a friend who's performing excused? at halftime. So I have a friend who's performing at halftime. Same Rihanna. Can I go out and watch her? Just like we used to, we used to do the thing where. What's funny is, is in high school you were aware of. You were aware of the band out there. You could kind of hear it, whatever. But, like, you don't think about what's going on at the half. The players don't think about what's going on in the halftime, except for at the Super Bowl, I guess. But I'm telling you, the walk-up music, it can be 12 seconds shorter. Whatever. I don't care, but don't take it away. No, they're not going to. No. Jose Ramirez, the game is bigger than you, brother. Figure it out. Cut down this music. 
Let's get to baseball games being a little bit more easy to consume. As I started to think about this music infused into sports, because I, I look, I'm a big proponent it's of everything. More mad? Of, of, no, no, of of everything you've said about speeding it up, I, I agree with. Has to happen. I just love having a, the the part of music is so important uh, in 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 our sports and in our life. And and it just don't don't cut the music okay. programs, Jeremy. Schools don't cut the music programs. Audible. When we come back from the next break, can we get some uh, Sister Christian? Yeah, it's good. If you don't get it, I'll systems, sing it for you. I don't know. I don't know if our computer systems still have it. Uh, it may have gotten blitzed by every every few months. If they're I'm not going, using I'm it, I'm going they, to see they it. Tuacon. I know. End of the month. You're gonna love Tuacon. Night Ranger. I've seen. I have seen uh, a, a couple shows at Tuacon. It's beautiful. So if you have front row seats, is that good? Oh, boy. Here it comes. No, I'm just asking for a friend. Uh, <laughs> I know it's the front row, Buffy, but did you, who'd you say was going to be Knight Rider this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> David Hasselhoff singing as part of the Knight Rider, the musical? Night Ranger. Knight Rider, the musical? <laughs> if you think it hasn't been made in a Listen, <laughs> copyright. Her patent pending, patent pending. I'm going to write Knight Rider the musical. And David Hasselhoff, by the way, will perform could, most yeah. of the musical numbers. Uh, probably happily, too. There'll be a whole love scene with he and Kit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kit, you got me through Kit, a, lot just, <laughs> of, a lot of lonely nights. That voice of yours. Can I turn on the self-tinting windows, Michael? <laughs> oh, my gosh. We need Night Rider music on the way back. We need Night Ranger music at some point on the way back. All right. We'll come back when we return. Uh, we just, <laughs> we're hopefully not going to be talking about the pitch clocks anymore. We do have a what are the odds around the corners. You don't want to miss it. Man, Remedical is Utah's only physician-owned and operated wellness clinic, offering ED treatments that are discreet, non-invasive, and customized for your needs. Remedical. Renew, restore, reclaim. Visit remedical.com today. Hey, the Night Rider musical would be a freaking hit. All right? It is going to be a hit. I'm not saying it could be. It will be a hit. And I'm going to be right there with everybody else. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. More to go around the corner. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Accessing. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. That's okay, sir. The bet is to you. All in, baby. You'll know exactly, um, more or less, what's going to happen. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome, it's Unrivaled. 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. Uh, this is, is there neither, such a thing as... This is neither Night Ranger nor Night Rider. No. Um, is there such a thing as a barbecue voice? I oh, yeah. Barbecue voice. Yeah, because, uh, listen, you know, I, I did a lot of years in uh, in Texas, which, you know, is kind of the capital of barbecue. Can we say it like that? I think Texas is the, is the no, capital of barbecue. No, I mean like a literal voice. No, I know, and all those commercials are like, smothered in our special molasses barbecue sauce. Yeah, a barbecue voice. There's a barbecue voice. It's, it has it's, to be as smooth and it, as smoky as it, yeah. the barbecue so that you're selling. And it's got it's got a an accent to it. They have to make it a southern yeah, accent, right? You can't, you can't, it, it's the same thing as, shoot, this stuff was made in New York City. New York City. Get a rope. Get a rope. Yeah. So... It's made by folks in Texas who know what Southwest salsa tastes like. Remember those old Pace Picani commercials? My heavens. Mm. And we called it Pace Picani. Pace Picani sauce. 
Yeah, there's a certain voice to barbecue commercials. I just wonder. Yeah. Asking for a friend. Oh, hey, wait a minute. And this might be... Uh... Oh. oh. So this is what you listen oh, to to get man. ready for yeah. football games? No, no, no. no there's, a, there's, a, there's a method to this madness. So, this so is it you. starts out, I'm okay. leaving my driveway. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you, maybe you put Because your... I'm, I'm nervous. Like, I'm, right. I'm like, okay. So you guys versus Payson. So I, so I need, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Payson Lions. Just need some calm music, you know, to kind of get me out of the driveway, get me going down the road. Mom, I'll see you tonight. There's a little, there's a little sweetness and sadness to the music. And then, you know, you just kind of, all right. Because you're already fired up. You don't you don't need a lot of music at this point to get you going. But then it changes. Take a left on 4th South and you go. <laughs> it changes. Well, I went up to 13th East. Actually. I would almost smell the popcorn. Oh, oh. there's then, a buildup of this. And then it starts. And then and then it's like, yeah, game on. Game on tonight. This can, see, you can tell this has got like a little oh, bit of a... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And right now, it's like I'm running through a brick wall. I am ready to play. So you think? So 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 all of a sudden, you just get like like everything disappears, and you have one thing on your mind, and it's I'm gonna I am gonna play tonight. I am gonna I'm gonna be a freaking machine. Somebody's got to pay for my focus and my yeah, energy. Oh yeah. Watch out, Pacing Lions. Here we come. See, and I see you popping your collar on your letter jacket after the game with this uh, song on also. The problem was my letterman's jacket didn't have a collar. Oh, it it didn't? was one of those like a uh, letter sweater? No, it, it, it had a weird like Were you one of those student body kids? No. <laughs> okay, so then it then it then it kind of it kind of winds down. It, it wasn't a long drive from my house to the No, high no, it wasn't. Luckily. Yeah. There's I love when it gets to like the part where they talk it out. Then it, then, it, then it starts coming back oh, again. Oh, yeah, you're motoring. And then I would, you can see Scott's face. There's oh, something no. different. And then I would get into the parking lot, and it would just be, there would you just be this mellow out. ending to it, and I got out of the car. I wasn't losing. I was not going to lose that night. Was no it way. that or the freakish talent and, uh, and body that you were born with? That might have also helped in winning the game. But it was it was augmented with, like, ins- with inspirational music. So you combine the two, and that's like a deadly combination. This is easily, Night Ranger is easily the 13th or 14th best band in 1983, 84. Yeah. <laughs> on a time frame. <laughs> They're up there, that, the, at least the top okay. twenty. I had a lot of songs that I love to listen to, <laughs> this like it. and really good music. Don't ask me why, but this was the song. This is the bridge, by got, the way, right this, here. This just got my mind right. All right, got it right to play. You know what that means, Scott? You're. Uh, that means you're pumped for this next segment here. We at least get a little bit of energy out of Scott now. <laughs> the guy's ready to go because your body just responds. It's nostalgia. Oh. It's Pavlov's dog. Just, it's all it, of it rolled it, into one. As we were sitting here listening to that music, in my mind, I I literally could envision myself in my um, Datsun B2000 oh my gosh. truck <laughs> manual oh, with yeah. my cassette tape. Driving, I'm surprised driving, you even had a cassette tape. Driving down the streets of Springville. My parents bought me a truck in high school that only had AM, FM radio. There was no cassette deck in it. Oh, wow. And no air conditioning either. Because people in Washington were like, we don't need air conditioning. Air conditioning. I, I, had, a, I had a window. I know. Just that roll the thing. window down. That's the other thing. Explain to your kids rolling the window down. They're like, with what? 
your arm. Like manually? Oh, how the heck did you do that? <laughs> Everything in this vehicle was manual. <laughs> <laughs> how the heck did you roll the window yeah. down? If I presented that to my kids, be like, what is this? Just the knob. Yeah. They'd be like, uh, what do you do with that? Is that how you break a window to get out it of this was, thing? It, it was a five-speed, though. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, uh, Scott, what are the odds that uh, – here's how what are the odds works. I give you some Can we just end the show now? Cause just, <laughs> you can't get better than that I, now. No. Playing Night Ranger? No. I don't know. You'd be surprised when we come back with Night Rider later. <laughs> don't know. Don't know. Don't know. All right, listen. What are the odds, Scott, that, uh, that the Jazz lose enough games to actually miss out on the play-in tournament? So they're, oh, ninth, they're-, they're in the ninth spot right now. And they're just a well, couple games here, out of the fourth spot. Right. So here's here's some interesting things going on because they've got two games at OKC, and OKC is behind them. So OKC beats them twice. Then then they're going to shoot down, and OKC is going to shoot up. And and who knows about the Lakers because the Jazz still have to play the Lakers again this year, and the same thing with the Lakers. Are they going to turn it around? Are they going to make, make a push? You know, I don't know. LeBron's out for a couple of weeks. Uh, they're probably not going to win much without him, and they're below the. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm going to call it a Tom Beer 49. <laughs> percent He's a player I played with in Detroit. I'm sure it was. He was an H back. Tom Beer. Tom Beer. Uh, old number 40. That's a class. Oh, he was 48. Sorry. That's a great last name for a. Ty Halleck was 49. That's a good number. For, or that's a great last name for yeah. a guy. I'm just trying to. Not many people have 48 or 40. I guess you could go Moose Daryl Moose Johnson. He John was 48, Stan. yeah. He was 48. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with a Tom Rathman 44%. Okay. If we're going to go with uh, the old uh, fullback, H-back mm-hmm. combination. We're going down that road with the guys in yeah. the 40s. Okay. Let's take a break here. We'll come back. We've got more to go uh, on the program. You don't want to miss it. Hey, Baylor's athletic director, Mark Rhodes, uh, he's talking a, a little bit about going after more of these uh, Pac-12 schools. Now, Pac-12 fans have had a, a rough couple days here. The... Feeling of an implosion, it, that an impending implosion of some sort. You know, you're feeling the you're feeling the aftershocks of of a big earthquake that happened with UCLA and USC going out, and you just hope there's not going to be another big one. Maybe there will be. Stay with us. More to go around the corner. 97.5 V KSL Sports Zone. So let's lock in. This is unrivaled. Yes, The teams you live for, the sports you love. With Scott Mitchell and Alex Keurig, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5 B KSL Sports Zone. So, so, so. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It is Unrivaled 97.5 B KSL Sports Zone. Thanks for hanging out with us, Alex Keurig, Scott Mitchell. Uh, hey, good first hour there, Scott. We got to play Night Ranger. Yes. Still have yet to hear from Night Rider, but you know. Oh. What is that? Oh, here we go. Yeah. Oh, man. I had this lunchbox growing up. See, this was. Yeah. A shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man who does not exist. Oh, what? Uh, it sounds like Twilight Zone. <laughs> So now the thing about Knight Rider and A-Team were both those things. It was like, these guys are a mystery. You won't be able to. You can't find these guys. Except for a select group of people who will find them and hire them. In the world of criminals who operate above the law, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hasselhoff, man. Kit was the best car you could have owned. Just amazing. What was that? Like uh, Firebird, Trans Am? You know, you know what's amazing? Hmm. I was on this reality TV show called The Biggest Loser. Yes. Where we filmed the show was near this place called the, um, well, it was the, was it the Malibu Ranch? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think you've told me that Anyways, before, yeah. Mm-hmm. The um, CBS owned a huge, huge parcel of land. Pontiac Trans Am, by the way. Made Pontiac rest, but yeah. Yeah, huge, huge parcel of land mm-hmm. that over 400, I think it's 412 different movies and television shows were parts of them or a majority of them were filmed on this property. And you and you've and seen you, it all. And if you go if you're there every day, so like like the T V show MASH It was all filmed there. It was all filmed there. Yep. And there's actually a, you can go and see you know exactly and you see it and you go, Oh, of course. And so as this music's playing, I think of some of the scenes and I'm like they're they, definitely they're, jumping they're a totally, car right there. They're yeah. totally totally on this piece of property. Jay Leno has one of the uh the kit Night Rider cars, the 1982 oh. Night Rider kit, uh, and it's a Pontiac. It's a Pontiac Trans Am with those black, those black wheels. It's got that red. That's how he talked to you. Does it feel so he like knew he was alive because he had like a pulse yeah. in his front? Does it feel like him. like TV shows and music from the 80s? Kind of, kind of, maybe the golden age of all of it. That was actually terrible TV, by the way. No, like these were the, these were primetime shows. Mean, you've got you've Mr. Got, T was primetime. I know and you so got the A team. David Hasselhoff. You have, but you got the Cosby Show. Oh, now those you were got, you got uh, that was good stuff. Um, who else do you have? Yeah, that was all. Night Rider, Cheers, unbelievable. Uh, was Friends around then, or did that Friends was later. Friends was later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have. So you remember? So my dad used what to other get shows? so there mad. There are a lot of shows. Oh, so I can't of think of any. I, Alf, it was Mork that, and Mindy. That's the one that. That's the one that uh, Jeremy came up with. Alf, Battlestar Galactica. Mm. That was a big show. I'm trying to think of what the, those the best '80s sitcoms. Like you have to, you have to throw it out there. So one that my dad Dallas, would never let us watch was, was uh, Landing was Night Court. Night Court. Remember, remember Night Court. Night Court. Night Court's was good. back. Night Court. They're coming back around. The the judge he died. Oh, he did? Yeah. Harry? Yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. See, John Larroquette, was, he was kind of in stripes, you know, and he was... Yeah, and he's and he's in the new one, by the way. He's in... Uh, John Larroquette's in the new one as well. And All the right. movies that came out. The the John Crazy. Hughes movies in the 80s? Dude, the different goodness. different strokes, Married with Children. Oh, yeah. yeah. I started to think of the ones my Alice? parents wouldn't let me... Family Alice? Ties. Family Ties, fantastic, right? Uh, Archie Bunker. Murphy Brown, Roseanne. Jeez. All right. Oh, Roseanne. Yeah, man. Let's jump into the program. Jeremy, bail us out with... Uh, Roseanne was actually my mom, by the way. <laughs> Didn't take crap from nobody? Well, she uh, <laughs> she kind of looked like my mom. Oh, okay. Roseanne's from Utah, by the way. Well, I think she lived here for a, a, a skosh. Did she go to East or is she going to Judge or something like that? They went to D's all the time. She talked about in her right. going to D's. The uh, they're on 21st South and uh, 7th East. Very yeah. familiar with it. All right. Uh, let's take the the next look here in the program to our what are the odds that will bail us or no sorry I'm just kidding to our uh, our cut here at the top of the four o'clock hour that will bail us out of the rest of this uh, nonsense talk let's do it the other question undeniable unrivaled.
top sports story of the hour. Here's what made the cut. Ain't nothing like it. Let me read a quote to you, Scott, and you'd give me the BS meter on this one. I certainly am not rooting for the demise of any particular conference. (laughs) But I'm also, you know, looking out for what's best for Baylor. Depending upon what happens with the Pac-12, there may be, you know, movement. That was a quote from uh, the athletic director of Baylor, Mark Rhodes, talking about the possibility of shifting some teams their direction, so to speak. Um, you know, I when you hear this, this fight and I think public, about it's gotten so nasty, too. I love it. I think about the Big Twelve. Okay, uh-huh. I think about the Pac-12. Think about the Big Ten. Think about the ACC. They all got together. Remember how the ACC and the and the and the Pac-12 and the Big the Big Ten got together mm-hmm. when the SEC stole Texas and Oklahoma, and everyone was just up in arms. And all these conferences were like, "How dare you? How dare you steal from from these conferences?" And you're, what are you doing here? And do you remember when they all said, "We're going to have a moratorium, and no one's going to do anything," and it gave uh, the Big Twelve an opportunity to save itself. Now, the Big Ten was like, we got other plans ourselves here, and we're going to go and pillage the the, the Pac-12 because we're going to go, what are the best, the most marquee programs left in the country that aren't in a big-time program? And it was those four schools, UCLA, USC, o- Oklahoma, and Texas. And they what they allowed by holding this moratorium was it gave the Big 12 a chance to right itself. And it did. And you know who got hosed in all of it? The Pac-12. And the Pac-12 got hosed because they were stupid. And they didn't realize that they that really to expand was how you need to survive. And if the Pac-12, when, when the, the Big 12 was on the mat, on the ropes, on its way out the door, if they would have struck at that moment – and focused on maybe Oklahoma State and a couple, and maybe Kansas State and maybe uh, the schools in um, in uh, Texas, and and they would have built a big, you know, a sixteen team conference at that time. Yeah, we the the Big Twelve might be dead, might be dead, and the, and the Pac twelve said no. We respect our institutions, and we have all these schools. <laughs> and you know what we have? We have UC, USC and UCLA. And now they, and now the Pac-12 is on 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 you know its deathbed. And you know what? There's no other options. There's no big marquee teams left. There's really it's checkmated. I think. What's interesting for the about what's interesting about the idea of. Let's say that the Big 12 at some point goes, we got to add some teams. We're going to get aggressive, and we're going to go after it. And I know 16 is kind of a number that, you know, you see already in the SEC and the Big 10. But let's say they do, because you remember in the summer, the sky was the limit on, on, on how wild. Last summer, we were just we didn't know what to think, and so we are just making everything up as we go along. Well, UCLA and USC just got poached by the Big 10. They're rivals now currently with Rutgers and Penn State, technically, right, all the way across the country. So anything could be possible. And remember, we were talking about 20, 24, 32 super right. conferences sure. that had this insane amount of teams in it. Now, let's say you added four teams and became 16. 
And you have this, like, I don't know, Pacific Conference and, and uh, Mountain, you know, Mountain Division, Mountain Division, Pacific Division, whatever they want to call it. At some point, you're not really actually conference mates. You know, like, you might have your same, uh, you know, teams that you play that are in your conference, but there are also a bunch of teams that you, don't, you never intersect with except for in, like, the Olympic sports. And maybe every two or three years in football, maybe. And maybe even not that. But it's if you get to 20 teams and 24, which you, you, you've heard over the last few weeks, this you know this clamoring for, hey, Pac-12, you got to join somebody who's got some uh, some momentum going here, and that's the big that's the big tw- or the Big 12. And you're going, I don't know, not necessarily. Don't just jump in and add teams for the sake of being like that's going to be a power play for us. Like just adding teams from the Pac-12 doesn't seem as much of a power move by the Big 12 as it probably on paper looks like. Poaching, uh, I mean, unless you're talking about Oregon and Washington and maybe Utah uh, and Colorado. I, I'm not going to – I'm, I'm going to – I disagree. Okay. Well, I, no, no, no. Here, here's, what, here's what I think. I don't know if it's disagreeing or agreeing. When you're the Big Ten – what do you have? You have schools and you have you have a lot of marquee names. Right? You got Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, uh you could argue Wisconsin. Now you're going to have U- USC and UCLA. Um maybe maybe some of the others, you know, maybe Iowa comes on, along every once in a while and plays well. Maybe Michigan State kind of jumps up at from time to time. But there's there's a lot of marquee names. SEC same way. Sure. That's that's what you have in your conference. Right, the big t- the Big Twelve. What the Big Twelve has is it's got volume, and if you can, the more volume, and and the volume is time zones, right? That that's where that's where that's where the Big Twelve kind of has an advantage, and 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 I'm sure that's why Brett Yormark is going. We want to expand because television is telling him this. So so you don't have marquee if you're the Big Twelve. You don't. But if you have the volume, like we got a lot, we got a lot of lot of teams here, and the Pac-12 last year, something got prove proven in the Pac-12 last year, which is what players go. I don't have to go to a marquee program. I was at a marquee program, and and a marquee conference. And guess what? It didn't really work it wasn't out. Great for me. Yeah. I want to play. Players want to play. They don't want to sit. They don't want to wait around. They want to go, and they don't care where it is, quite frankly. And a lot of – I mean, the Pac-12 is loaded now with quarterbacks from big-time conferences that are playing. Bo Nix, you know, might be the poster child for um, the existence of the Pac-12 because he's a guy that was probably out the door in the SEC, but he's he's played remarkably well. I'm super impressed with Bo Nix. This last year, are you? If you're so, Brett, you're, so what? So my point is, is you can yeah. exist as a conference, because uh, because it's you know you're gonna, you're still going to get good players that come and play in your in your conference, and if DJ Uagalele goes out and has a good year this year, and and both he and Bo Nix go into the pros, and then you have Caleb Williams who was also a transfer. I know it's to USC, but all of a sudden, who knows what Cam Rising does next year? And a lot of big name quarterbacks in the in the Pac-12 now that could give a lot of credence to the conferences as having value. But it's but I see the Big 12 
absolutely being super aggressive in going out and trying to uh, poach other schools. And the Pac-12 is certainly uh, the best school for it or the best conference for it. And and I just think it's the irony of all ironies, where when the Big 12 was down and the Pac-12 had a chance to really bury it, they didn't. And now it's flipped. And the Big 12 now goes, hey, we're alive. Well, we're kicking. You know, it's like it's like the war movie. I don't know. What is it? Saving Private Ryan, where the, the one the one German guy, uh, the, the guy doesn't kill him, you know, when he has a chance to. And then that guy comes back later and, and he's killing people. And uh, and, the, and the, the kid realized the mistake he had that, you know, when his enemy was down, you got to you got to end your enemy or, or they're going to come back they're and gonna they're, come get you and they're going to come get you. And. Pac-12, <laughs> the Big 12 is going to come get you. I just, I just thoroughly believe it, and I believe, I, I believe it's Oregon and Washington who they're really interested in. Do you, if you're the, um, and look, I mean the conference and maybe commissioner, Stanford and Cal, the conference commissioner works for you if you're a athletic director, right? Is that kind of how the way it feels? Or presidents of the university, yeah. yeah. Because if you're Mark Rhodes, you're the athletic director of Baylor, and you say that, do you think does Brett Yormark roll his eyes and go, "Dude, Mark, freaking back it off," or are they like, "Hey, make those comments"? Because because the reality is is that maybe this isn't how the conference is even going, but you have an athletic a rogue athletic director that goes, "Yeah, I think we'd do this." Just, it's the same reason that you have periodically an unnamed source that'll go, um, "Yeah, I, Washington and Oregon are on their way out, man." Like. Whew. We've got to, we've I, got to strengthen yeah. ourselves as a conference because if Washington and Oregon leave, then we're all going to bail somewhere. It's like, yeah, but who's really saying that? And 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 if a and if athletic if an athletic director is in front of a bunch of boosters and says this kind of stuff, if you're Brett Yormark, are you glad they do it or do you say, hey, knock off this this kind of talk until we're actually kind of figuring nah, out what we I, really want to do? I think I'm sure there's a strategy behind it because you've heard a lot of things in the last several weeks. Uh, Amazon only wants the best games of the Pac-12, or the Pac-12 is not going to get a, a rights deal anywhere close to what the Big 12 was. Uh, the, you know, there's a lot of disinformation out there. You know, and, there, and you got people saying this isn't true, this isn't, this is not true. And then, then the Pac-12 comes out and says we're we're in uh, uh, consummation uh, that we're all together here, and and it's 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 you know this media battle or war that's going on. That's trying to convince people because you're you're Oregon and you're like, wow, the the Big Twelve might be interested in this because I saw this out in in the media, and so the media maybe maybe is is maybe the media is part of <laughs> part of the strategy, and they're going <laughs> all right, Big Twelve, you got to convince Oregon and Washington to come to your conference, and so let's just flood the flood the airwaves with this. Um, in this this media war, I guess that's going on. Yeah, in, let's in just the world. Show, let's just roll it out there, and let's just see. It's, it's creating a you know like they do. They try to destabilize these governments, you know, and they and so they go in and they infiltrate their media and they try you know they try to create propaganda for for this and that and whatever. And it feels like this is seriously going on in between these two conferences, and the because the the Big Twelve goes. The only relevance you have is you just need a lot of numbers. And if you can provide games for us that are pretty decent from coast to coast, that that puts you in a unique position. You know, USC and UCLA is not the Big Ten going coast to coast. You know, you're, you're going to need more of a presence. You know, they've already got BYU. They add a couple of more schools. 
and maybe it is four schools from the mountain and the Pacific time zone, then that really puts the Big 12 in in a uh, in a very unique position um, and a, and maybe a position of leverage or the best leverage they possibly can because there's no more nar- there all the seats are taken no more marquee teams are left period uh, and and I can totally see this happening but I can totally see the manipulation of the media to try to you know flesh out hey or or create some interest or see, see my- if Oregon will flinch and go yeah okay I can't take it anymore I don't know what's going on I'm sick and tired of this I want to go somewhere where it I- has been it's been interesting to watch because don't you I mean as a Utah fan I'm like you know Mark Harlan what are you doing are you are you are you are you prepared to leave because you you know you can't get left stuck here with nothing you know you better go out you <laughs> you know there's there's a there's a panic I think in the amount these of conferences the amount of uh, the amount of BYU fans coming out of the woodwork that to are loving uh, all of this it's really hilarious they haven't even Scott they're not even members of the Big Twelve yet technically and and. Uh. And so to see guys going, oh, dude, you wish you could join our conference. Yours is falling apart. The amount of vitriol between fan bases right now is really funny to watch. And anything a BYU fan says online just gets under the skin of, uh, you know, the Utah fan who's had every right to walk all over BYU fans for the last 10 years, you know? And so... Utah's been ruling the roost. I and and now when that power shift starts to happen even a little bit, people go, "Oh man, remember when people used to remember who you guys were and the Pac-12 was a real conference?" See you back in the new version of the Mountain West. I mean, I've heard all of it. Yeah. I've seen all the different stuff of how people are reacting to this thing. And I'm there for all of it. I love it <laughs> because I just like watching it's some action. But you know what? You know what you're not going to get because Mark Rhodes can say that from Baylor. You know, I don't. I don't look for the demise of any. I don't know. For example, I'll just throw a, a conference out there. I'm not hoping that the and this is just random that the Pac-12 melts down totally and we're able to poach some teams from there. But you know, we have to look out for our own good. You know, when you start to throw those around, if you're Tom Holmo, there's a reason Tom Holmo's not saying this stuff in public because one, he's like he's brand new in this conference, right? And two. It is. It's not a good look for you to 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 roll over on on this when nothing's really happened yet. When the football season rolls around, and if BYU doesn't, you know, if they go four and uh, four and eight next year, you're not going to get nearly as much talking as you're getting right now. I th- I'm convinced of that. Nah, people still talk. <laughs> Those, I'd rather go four and eight in a real conference. Exactly. <laughs> That's 100%. I'm already writing it out for yep. myself. Oh, already. already. Yeah, 100%. Someone's going to do All right, that. let's take a break. We'll come back. I went down a weird rabbit hole finding my – I found my exact Knight Rider metal lunchbox that I, lunchbox that I had in uh, in school, which came with a thermos, by the way. I, thought, I think it was weird to send a kid with a coffee cup and a thermos. Now, I guess you could use it for soup. But that cup on top of the old thermos of my Knight Rider uh, lunchbox, that's classic, man. I loved those metal lunchboxes. And they'd get a little bit rusted out. Those are amazing. All right, take a break. When we come back, I've got some news. I've got some food uh, food update news uh, for you around the corner. Plus, we've got our uh, Jazz at 30 update. You don't want to miss our Ask Scott Anything segment where I'm able to ask him anything that I want, anything that my heart desires. That's all coming up next. Stay with us. 97.5 DKSL Sports. This is Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. With the access and insight on the teams you're passionate about. 
I love it, baby. Presented baby, baby, baby. by G2G Bars. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. everybody welcome back unrivaled rolling along here just about 30 minutes away from uh david Locke, the voice of the utah jazz is going to join us i've got questions for uh for david when it comes to all sorts of things last night's uh, head scratching loss and uh lineup issues of course with the jazz as they are facing uh a lot of question marks but still right there in the dadgum playoff hunt so there you go uh, that's going to be Locke joining us in just about 30 minutes, just under 30 minutes. He'll be right here with us. Uh, Ask Scott Anything brought to you by the folks at Mountain Land Supply. Locations throughout Utah for your HVAC, plumbing, waterworks, geotextiles, landscaping, and agricultural irrigation needs. If it's irrigating that you need, mountainlandsupply.com. That's mountainlandsupply.com. Scott, can I ask you anything here, buddy? Can I just start throwing the questions out there, and then you'll uh, you'll start answering? Is that what goes on with this? Yeah, bring okay. it on. I'm All right. Let me ask you first about Dalton Kincaid. He's uh, he's just firing up those draft boards, right? Mm-hmm. Could be tight end number one, according to a lot of experts. Not going to participate in the combine workouts, of course. He's not 100% still. Um, what What is the balance there? Because there are some guys who... If you shoot up the draft boards and you're injured and you're not going to participate physically, there's no point in participating in the draft, right? Like, go there, do your interviews, impress the GMs with their, with your character, right? Isn't that what we're looking at? Well, here here's the pro- here's the problem with the combine uh, that you don't control any of the narrative. Uh, you don't control if you're a tight end. You don't control what quarterback throws to you. You've never worked with the guy, so you're not really going to get the the best. You're already kind of on a back foot. There. Look, yeah, and then and you're in an unusual environment, just under normal normal circumstances. So if you're you're a person like Dalton Kincaid, what you want to show at the combine is physical ability, like natural, you know, ability and strength. But again, it's it's also, you know, you look at Dalton and he and he played into December last year, and he was injured, so he's got to get time to get recovered. He's got to get time to then prepare for all of the draft metrics. And all an NFL team wants is they want to see you physically and see what you look like. And you you can do that on your pro day. But your pro day, you control. You control the environment. You control who throws to you. You're in a a comfortable place. You're in a place that um, feels like home. And if you're Dalton Kincaid and you've you've had to get healthy – and then get ready, you're behind everyone else, at least for the combine. So going to the pro day and really shooting for the pro day is really the best thing. Getting all the medical stuff out of the way, because if you don't if you don't get the medical stuff out of the way, it means that 32 teams have to come and meet you individually or fly you to their doctors, and you have to do it 32 different times. But when you go to the combine, you do it once. You know, so all the examinations, all the orifices that they they poke and prod in, uh, it's just a one it's a one and done deal, and it's it's humiliating, it's life changing, but it's 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 it, you just do it once, and and so that's the good thing, you know. They're they're you know the going and 
and uh, and talking and interviewing with teams and having you know discussions. That's all good, but all the rest of it is, is not is not necessary. And a lot of teams these days, they don't even look at like they have a different metrics physically on how they measure players. Can you get from point A to point B? Are you football fast? Are you football smart? Are you football instinctive? And they and they have you know the the Rams have been one of the teams that have explored looking at at how you evaluate players in a different way because because the combine is not a really great place to go and evaluate what you know what looks good and what doesn't. Huh. I, if you're him and you're just seeing your name going up those uh, draft boards and you just go. And you're not doing anything? Perfect. <laughs> I'm going to stay doing then this thing. Why would I do something to change their mind? But why – let me ask you because, we, I mean, Dalton Kincaid, to go from being like a guy that everybody knew was a really, really, really good tight end, but kind of being second fill a little bit to Brant Keithy, right, while Brant Keithy was healthy. Yes. That's what it felt like, right? Am I yeah. misreading that? They're, they're a little bit different player, you know. And, and so who matches up more? Like if Brant – I mean, Brant Keithy's obviously coming back for this – for this season, but I, I think people looked at Brant Keithy as more being like a guy who would be, and maybe he will be next year, a tight end one in the draft. It's very possible. It is, you know, it'd be interesting to see how he comes back from his injury. Is he faster? Is he, you know, it was, it was like Britton Covey. You know, Britton Covey, oh, when he came back from an injury and he'd been on a mission, it was like the the explosion wasn't there. And he kind of hobbled through a year. And then that neck, that last year, it was like, there's Britton Covey's uh, burst. Uh, you know, that came back. And so uh, Keithy's got a burst. I mean, Keithy's a guy that, you know, and he's a hybrid guy. He's a guy that's, you know, he's so he's a guy that can get you get mismatches with. And that's what Kincaid is. They're both players that create mismatches for defenses. And quite frankly, that's why Gronkowski was so good, that he just was a mismatch for people. When you have that, then you, you have a special talent, you know. And, and both of these guys, I think, have shown that ability to, you know, to, to play – downfield to make catches to create mismatches and that's the, the name of the game in the nfl is where's the mismatch uh let me ask you about something else here this is joe douglas the gm of your new york jets and i think this is i mean this is kind of a rinse and repeat comment that we've heard but every co- quarterback conversation in this upcoming draft any like storyline has a picture of Robert Sala, and what are the teams going to do next with their quarterbacks? Obviously, there's an issue there. They're trying to figure it out. But here's what Joe Douglas had to say yesterday about uh, Zach Wilson and him being a future quarterback for the New York Jets. Yeah, I know in in talking with uh, Nathaniel and Todd and and our staff, um, they're so excited to to get get with Zach and start working. I know they've had some, some positive discussions, but... Again, our stance on Zach hasn't changed. You know, we feel like Zach has a has a very high ceiling. Um, obviously, the, the first two years haven't played out the way that anybody's hoped, but we still feel like there's a, there's a very high ceiling with Zach. And you know, in my time in the league, I've found that when players love this game and when players work their tails off, they usually hit their ceiling. And so, feel like Zach has those definitely has those traits. So uh, still feel strong that Zach, strongly that Zach's going to be able to hit his ceiling. Uh, can you translate that for me, Scott? Well, there's a couple of things that I think are interesting with the whole Zach Wilson thing. First of all, they he, Joe Douglas is mentioning new people, right? So if, you, if you're a coach and you're feeling really confident in your offensive coordinator, 
and you're not going to fire him. So, so was it really all Zach Wilson? And was it a good match for Zach Wilson? I don't know. I just, I've, 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 it's, it's a sign that, that, that they're kind of without saying anything, you know, there was a lot more going on here that we just didn't air publicly. We just didn't say, look, offensive coordinator was inept, wasn't doing a good job, wasn't able to, to get the best out of the players. And guess what? He's gone. Uh, Zach Wilson makes a comment and, and it wasn't in this interview, but uh, as I was reading through this, this comment really kind of bothers me. And I and I couldn't couldn't put my finger on it, but it was Zach Wilson saying um, that uh, he said he's uh, ready to make life a living hell for whichever veteran comes in. Yeah, meaning, what, it, meaning, what did that mean? What was that him well, trying to well, say? Like, that's what I mean. That it's he's like, going to run him down? Like he's going to steal his spot well, kind of a deal? or You know, that whole idea of like, or he's going to play practical jokes on him? Like, like what is... Like, if, uh, if, let's say Aaron Rodgers came in. Let's say Aaron Rodgers came in. It's a freaking dream for New York Jets fans. He comes in and you made that comment and you're Zach Wilson, who, by the way, from what we've been told and kind of seen... They have kind of a nice little relationship, right? Like Aaron yeah. sort of gave him some pieces of advice and whatever, and uh, they've been cordial to one another in an inside and outside of the media. But in the end, what would that? What good would that do? Because the reality is, is I would love to learn anything I can from a dude like Aaron Rodgers, and I will soak everything up, and I will be, and I will try to be as good as I can so that I could be the next Aaron Rodgers. That's what you say, right? And I, I'm not going to make a, I'm going to make a living hell out of it. Or right, uh, I, I guess for, every well, day. for me, I'm just trying to figure out why don't you have or why didn't you have this in uh, this I guess killer attitude uh, when you were the starter, when you had the opportunity, when it was right in front of your face, and there wasn't. And it's like why why are you now going after and attacking another person? Uh, it feels like shouldn't you look within yourself and say, um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and I think that's what he's trying to say. And I don't want to read too much into this comment. It's just the comment from the very moment that he said it, and I, you know, I heard it at the beginning. It's like, what, what are you trying to say here? I don't understand. It's like you're more focused on that someone's come in here to take your job, and you're mad about that as opposed to, I got to get myself in a position where I can perform. At my highest level on the field, I'm not here to worry about anyone else or anything else. I've got to take care of my own business, my own mechanics, my own fundamental um, ability to do my job. And that's that's where you need to spend all your time, not going after some other person that they they brought into. It just it sounds catty and petty and and uh, like you're not really focused on what you really need to be focused on. Now, all of that being said, Joe Douglas goes. I don't want to look bad. I drafted the kid. We've spoken very highly. We were giddy about Zach Wilson. And, and you know, for whatever reason, you know, we, we got to try to make this look good and work out. Nathaniel, Hack, Nathaniel Hackett's really looking forward to, to uh, you know, solving this puzzle. The Joe Douglas has made a lot of good picks. Sauce Gardner, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Garrett. Garrett Wilson. Garrett yeah. Wilson, mm-hmm. you know, the – the running back, Brees yeah. Hall, the offensive lineman who's injured. I mean, they've made some really good picks. Quarterback's hard. And it's hard to get it right. And I'm sure they don't want to look stupid. They don't want to look dumb. 
And yes, Zach Wilson clearly has some talent. It's just figuring out getting it, getting him out of his own way. And I think part of that is quit attacking other players and focus on your own ability and getting yourself right. Uh, then, you know, figuring out how to get that out of Zach Wilson. And we'll see if they do. I mean, what they've done with him clearly I don't think has worked. Uh, and maybe Zach's kind of immature. I don't know. Let's uh, take a break. We'll come back and uh, we'll have more to chat about, including around the corner. We've got uh, well, a couple things to dive into when it comes to a topic that is sensitive, I know, for David Locke. Uh, and we'll ask David Locke about this as well because the load management issue has come up again in the NBA. And Charles Barkley, everybody's favorite uh, mouthpiece for the league, official or unofficial or otherwise, has opened that mouth and he said something about uh, about load management, what it should look like in the future, and uh, if it has a place. Uh, we will come back, and when we do, we'll have that discussion. Stay with us, 97.5 VK Sports Zone. It's our show, all right? Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Unrivaled, 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. Alex Keery, Scott Mitchell. Good to be back in the old chair. I know it was just a couple days off, but it was, uh, you know, it's always good to be back at work. It's always great. I mean, I love my kids. But, you know. Well, someone's got to love your kids. <laughs> good thing you do as a parent. Who better than us? Who better than my wife and I? Come on. Uh, no, so I love my kids, too. Yeah, I know you do. You know what's interesting is watching you um, have, like, adult kids that you really love being around right now. Yeah. My kids are fun. <laughs> I hope they get to so that much point. fun. No, I, l- listen, really I've got good kids, but they're going through, yeah. you know. They're still young. I've got teenagers, and I've got small kids. And so you, you – I'm looking forward to, and I try as much as I can to just have normal, regular – uh, like adult conversations with kids, but they're not adults yet. I like to have just, you know, I want my kids to be easygoing with me and talk to me about whatever. I can tell you really quick one of the things, and I, I really worked on this, that I did with my kids when they were your age. Mm-hmm. When they that were. Ha- that helped. Like, when they were the ages that I'm talking about. Yes. yes. So the ages of your kids, when uh-huh. my kids were your kids' age, I would take them individually and I'd just spend a couple of hours, you know, doing what they wanted to do. So, you know, we'd go, maybe we'd go get breakfast or we'd go shopping or we'd go play, you know, some sport or do something. Whatever It wasn't what it was, what they wanted to do. And before I went, I said, well, let's just go hang out and we can have a good time. And if you want to ask me anything, um, just feel free to ask and, and I'll be happy to just share what, what I think about. So maybe it's your future. Maybe it's a, you have a question about something whatever. And I always wish that my parents would have done this to me because I had a lot of questions and I didn't have anyone to talk to. So, uh, and it worked Mike. And I've, I've had some just amazing, I'm very close to my kids and I love them dearly. And we have a lot of conversations today because, uh, I just really took the time to spend time with them when they were young. No one else, just me. No, no, no mom, no nothing. Just, just dad. So, yeah, that sounds all right. 
I try. I'm that. just saying it just works. It just <laughs> no, it works for me. Yeah. I've got my kids who are like, what is this about? And I'm like, come on. I do this enough that you guys know. Well, I, I don't, don't force it on them. No, I, just I know. Say, I'm just like, I, I go, do you want, would you want to do this? And they're like, yeah. And so we just go have a good time yeah. and yeah. have a conversation somewhere in the middle of having a good time. Good. Uh, I should have, I should have put that into the old ask got anything deal. Cause every day is different for my kids and I, you know, it's just like, pff, boy, a new challenge every day. There you go. Uh, Scott, load management yes. for pro athletes. Yeah, well, for basketball players. For basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I was going to say, you know what? I, You know, the, you don't actually hear it as much. It's become a very popular thing. In, in I mean, do hockey players, do soccer players, do football players, do baseball <sighs> players? I mean, sometimes baseball. Maybe I mean, they baseball. Have 162 they do games. have a lot of games. But like a starting pitcher, their load management is they get to pitch once every five days. Yeah. So – but the load man- the load management situation has gotten interesting because it's stuff that we've totally complained about on these airwaves before. Yes, and Charles Barkley, who's very outspoken we about love him and hate him, love him and hate him. This this week he says something that we yeah. totally agree with. Right? Yep. Here's what he had to say when Still he was mad asked about the Ulster game. Oh, listen. Oh, about us being a boring yeah. a city. Yeah. Uh, well. Maybe this will uh, this will cheer you up a little bit more, make you like uh, Sir Charles. This is what he had to say about load management and the way we take it these days. It's a huge issue. You know, uh, and Adam, and I love Adam. He's a great so guy. I. He's a great commissioner. So do but I. But I think what, what happened is I think he kind of went overboard trying to take care of the players. He's like, well, you guys don't want to do back-to-backs. We're going to kill most of the back-to-back. Now they get like, a whole week for all-star game. So he's trying to do everything possible to get these guys rest. I don't think fans get mad if you're making 30, 40, 50 million dollars if you play basketball every night. But you can't make 30, 40, 50 million dollars and then sit out games. I think it's disrespectful to the game. I think it's disrespectful to the fans. I think this is something too. There was Charles Barkley talking to Stephen A. Smith. I I can almost hear David Locke's response that we'll probably get in about 10 minutes because him saying that, and we'll play it for him because I, I want to see what his thoughts I are. I know what his thoughts are. His thoughts are this Extends is the play- careers. Yeah, keep him around. Pl- Don't you want him This is to the play player's game. Yeah. This is the player's game. And for as much as they're putting on a product, like if you want this product to be any good, you've got to make sure that these guys are healthy for long term. Yep. But in the short term, there's not a lot of guys playing games that you, frankly, 10 years ago would have been playing in. Uh, and during Charles Barkley's era, and this, that's my question for David is when he when he comes on with us, is is this Charles Barkley saying, we did it differently during my time, and that's why our time was better, and this is just a bunch of spoiled guys? So you got on our show, right, when it started, and you're, you're like, I, I feel weird taking a couple of days off. I, I can't. I don't. I want to work. I, I'm supposed to go to work. I'm mm-hmm. supposed to be at work. I think the game today which is very perim- – it's a perimeter game. Not a lot of banging down inside going on. It's not as physical as it was uh, by by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and, you know, there, there are a few times – I mean, if you step into a guy shooting a basket from three points and you, you kind of get too close to him, it's a flagrant foul. You know, if you don't give that player an opportunity to come down and land on the ground. So there's – Massive care taken for these players not to be injured. 
I understand they they get injured and they do all this stuff, but um, it, it, the physicalness of the game just isn't the way it used to be. And it's just it's the same in the NFL. I mean, they've taken away a lot of the physicalness of the game, and now you're seeing guys play a lot later in their careers. So I'm not buying the argument that it's actually taking the players away from uh, their careers and it's shortening careers. I don't, I don't, I'm not seeing that at all. I think these these basketball players are playing a long, long time, and with the demands for ticket prices. And the fans having to pay so much to watch these teams, I would I would be so mad. I mean, I went and watched Minnesota play, and Rudy Gobert didn't play, and I wanted to see Rudy play in that game, and I and I specifically wanted to go to that game, and it's like, what? He's not playing, and it just it just left a bad a bad taste in my mouth. So I I I just I I'm kind of in agreement with Charles Barkley. It's like I just I I'm not buying that this is too much for these players. And by the way, the back-to-backs, like the Jazz didn't get that memo. <laughs> like, I, Yeah, the front end like of the, the season, yeah. It feels like the Jazz have played more back-to-back games this season than they've ever played. No, you know what, too? The thing about the days off and, and you know, it, it's finally kind of come back around that the Jazz have played about as many games as everybody else. Um, but for, long, for a good chunk of the front end of the season, we were like, this is ridiculous. And now... It's less ridiculous, and and like there are going to be chunks of days the Jazz aren't playing. I mean, they played last night; they're not going to play till Friday, right? Yeah. Um, after a, a, a during their road stretch, they're going to have their final game of the road of of that road trip, and then goes about six days without a game. And I, I don't know. I, I think some players do look and they go, "I can't go without playing. Like this is my thing. I want to get better every night." Like Walker Kessler's not going to take time off. He's young. He's just he's trying to get better every night. And I wonder what the motivation is for these guys when they do take the time off. Is it because they're like, well, I'm I'm a fifty million dollar year guy. I'm not just going to go out there and waste my energy every night, you know. But that's exactly why fifty fifty million dollars is coming your way because of your broad appeal, because of how amazing you are. And I wonder if if that actually. You know these guys getting paid all this money. We saw the all- because it's all guaranteed. We saw the all- we saw the all star game here in Utah, mm-hmm. right? And what did we see? The these players massively arrogant, <laughs> like the 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 NBA massively arrogant. More arrogant than any other they, sport, though. No, oh no, no, no. Of course not. No. You know. So my point is, they look at this like, how dare you even question that we um, should take days off? We need these days off. They're they're not in touch with the average fan. They're not in touch with, they're not in touch with anything Charles Barkley is saying. They they look at Charles Barkley saying all that, and they're just like, you don't know. Chuck. It looks like an, an yeah, attack. Yeah, almost, you right? don't you don't know. It's not like when you played back in your day, old man. The training's better. The nutrition's better. The ability to actually regenerate and re- renew yourself for the next game. It, the the science behind doing that is far superior than it used to be. Uh, so the ability to get yourself ready and play uh, is, is so far advanced from what it was that, I mean, I mean, they do active stretching now, you know, before it was like, well, we sit on the ground and we just static stretch and touch <laughs> our toes. And yeah, that was old school know, way of doing it. And it's like, no, that's not the best way to do it. Moving around and actually actively stretching is the way to get yourself ready to play and then at the end you do the the static stretching to kind of wind your muscles down but 
So there's there's just a lot of advances that that nothing in it makes me believe that this is uh you know that these players can't play every night. Nothing. Let's uh, let's take a break. Speaking of Locke, he'll come on with us in just a few minutes, and we'll chat about that. We'll ask him. I mean, I really want to know, like, what, like, what, what's the answer? Because he's he's calling games in this league where, you know, the the product is on the court, and you want to see the best product you can. And if that get, if that gets compromised, it's it's tough. All right, uh, guys. By the way, Remedical is Utah's only physician-owned and operated wellness clinic offering ED treatments that are discreet, non-invasive, and customized for your needs. So go to their website, remedical.com. That's remedical.com to find out more. Uh, also, oh, we got some tickets to give away. Call in number 12 right now. If you are listening, we have some tickets to give to you. And if you uh, if the, if you know who this group is, then obviously you're going to be wanting these tickets. Call in number 12 gets a pair of tickets to see Jelly Roll at USANA Amphitheater on September 2nd. Uh, 801-575-ZONE. That's 801-575-ZONE. 801-575-9663. You get a pair of tickets to see uh, Jelly Roll at USANA Amphitheater on September 2nd. 801-575-ZONE. We'll come back. More to go around the corner. 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. This is Jake Scott and Bennett. How and how? It's time to get the inside scoop on the Utah Jazz. From the play-by-play voice of the Jazz, David Locke. Sweet revenge! Presented by Murdoch Auto Group. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back, everybody. It is Unrivaled, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Happy Wednesday to you. Hump day. It's all downhill from here. Let's go. We'll see you on the weekend. Lots going on, of course, as we get you ready for uh, so many things going on. We were just looking at the schedule of spring practices and spring games for all the teams across the state of Utah. And it's, BYU uh, starts Monday. BYU starts on freaking Monday. Yeah. Like it was 5 seconds ago that we were that we stopped talking about college football. I guess we never really stopped talking about college football, right? It's the most important thing to us. Or at least for me. You know, uh, the, the, Jazz U- the University of Utah, football. they're doing a special thing with their spring game. They've now named it after Aaron Lowe and uh Ty Jordan and the That's spring awesome. game is on April 22nd. Oh, 22nd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, are they going to do that every year? Try to figure out when it's on the 22nd? Just call it that. If it doesn't work on a 22nd, if that's a Wednesday and they don't want to do it on a Wednesday, I would assume that it would still be their game honored in their name. Uh, I think it's a cool thing to do with your spring game, though. No, it's, you know, to it's kind of make, turn it into something positive like that. This is something that some, I... Some places don't like spring football. We've gotten other, away from Other it, right? places really get into... Colorado's decided that they like it this year with They're Dion. Gonna, and, did they sell tickets to it? Uh, is that what I they don't did? know if they sold them or not, but they, I know they have... 30,000 30, plus yeah, that I'll are going to go. more now. See, BYU's opening up their spring practice, uh, their, their end of spring practices uh, for their game to the public. For the first time, I think since 2018 or 2019, I think 2019, pre-COVID, basically. Yeah. But it's something that I think coaches get. You know, Bronco was a little bit like this. He would have the the, the game, and he'd be a little bit. He'd kind of roll his eyes about people want to know about what's going on in the spring. But I'm telling you, I remember an overtime spring game, and of course, it's Riley Nelson playing quarterback in a rainy overtime. White versus blue, like spring game, that we were excited about. I get the drawbacks that coaches are talking about. 
you do not want to create an environment where guys could get injured in a spring game. The part where you don't open it up to the public because you think to yourself that the public are going to – or they're peeking in on something that, one, is a product that's not ready or it's a product that is not – that they don't want to see yet or, or they don't want people seeing yet. I, I don't get it. Like, well, part, part I get of, that the hedges are high around all these practice facilities, and I see why, but at the same time, it's yeah, freaking spring. If you, you Well, coaches are paranoid to start with, but if you go to a spring game, you can hear what's going on on the field because there's not a lot of people. So you can actually pick up communication or words. Or, and, and these coaches, will they'll scout out things. They'll look at players, you know, get, get sizes, get some a feel for speed. And uh, a lot of schools don't play, you know, their top-end guys uh, in the spring. But, I you know, for me, I, I, love, I love watching the spring games for the uh, getting to know who's new. You know, who are these guys that – that are going to be a part of things and, and seeing how, how they play. And and it can be deceptive sometimes because I just remember watching Charlie Brewer uh, when he came here and just he looked great in spring. And it, where he looked great was throwing the football on all these different lo- locations. I'm like, wow, I, I never saw that with Tyler Huntley. And it, it was just, you know, so I thought – he was going to be really special, and you know, so we can a little get, bit of a so surprise. That's he not an be, endorsement for spring, by the way. No, I know. You're like, but we it, can get fooled big time in the spring yeah, by these guys. <laughs> I was absolutely fooled by it, and and then, uh, but you do get a sense, you know, of, of a lot of guys and what they can do. And I mean, I saw Jaquindon Jackson and said, "That guy, phew, I, I, all I know is he's a load running the ball," and and that'll be a fun thing to watch if you're a Utah fan this year. Keaton Slovis would be that'll be awesome to watch Keaton Slow. Now that, this see, that's the thing. Schools will benefit see where he is, and yes, you benefit massively by trying to convince these guys. Like, hey, you want to see? Don't you want to see these guys? Don't you want to buy these new season tickets in the Big Twelve? If you're a BYU fan, then opening up the the public to, to being able to see your scrimmage is a big but deal. But you're going to get people snooping. <laughs> I guarantee you. Some guys any coach can find any any angle. He's going to do it. Uh, joining us right now on the program, he is the voice of the Utah Jazz. He is David Locke. Locke, what's going on, man? Not much, guys. How are you? Fantastic. I, uh, is the bag extra big when you go on long trips? I mean, like, is it? I mean, this is a big one. This is a long trip. This is the longest I've ever done. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't have 14 days worth of underwear. (laughs) Do we dare ask what you do in lieu of 14 days? Are there laundry mats or you just, you go a lot of Amazon deliveries. uh, You go commando. I don't know what, what, what happens? Uh, I'm trapped with woolite on this trip. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the last couple of games have been interesting. Uh, you know, Saturday, Getting down early and even being down double digits in the in the second half for a little bit to that Spurs team, and then uh, coming back and winning by sixteen. And, and you said at the front end of that game was like this Spurs team can't go forty eight minutes, and it turned out to be the Jazz last night with a short roster and and a bunch of new names and a bunch of new lineups that Will Hardy has had to figure out. That team could not go forty eight minutes. Uh, what's the deal been lately? Well, we really been scoring went out, which is probably not a surprise. I mean, last night was our worst defensive night of the year, but the three, the two previous games weren't very good either, and the Memphis game wasn't very good either. So, you know, offensively, we're having a hard time. We we lost our point guard in Mike Conley in the trade. We lost a three-point shooter in Mike Conley and Malik Beasley. Um, 
and then without Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton, there was no one who could bail you out of a possession. You know, part of this game is you can run all your plays and do your, all your stuff, but if someone guards you, then someone just makes a play, right? That's that's the way the league works. Well, the two on our roster that make plays are Colin Sexton and and Jordan Clarkson. So, you know, that was just super limited last night and, and showed, and that's the worst defensive team in the league. So it's a little daunting um, on until Colin and Jordan get back of what the Jazz have on this upcoming road trip because – if they're scuffling to score against San Antonio, they could really scuffle to score a lot. So when the team goes on a on an extended road trip like this, what what is the strategy? What are you, you know, what's the you know how do you manage the team and how 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 what's the thought process of of getting the most out of a very long road trip? I, I don't I don't know if there is really a strategy. I don't actually know how to answer that question. Um, if there is, I don't know it. How's that? Like, I think you're just going out to play. You certainly watch your practice days. But this one's interesting in the sense that there's just so much empty time, right? So we play Oklahoma City on Friday and then play them again on Sunday. But Saturday, you're just kind of you're just in Oklahoma City, which, you know, for your second prize, you get two days in Oklahoma City. Um, and then we go to Dallas. We have a day off before that. Then we go to Charlotte and have a day off. And Orlando and have a day off. Miami and have a day off. So, it's a balance of whether you're going to practice a lot during those time periods or whether you're going to rest, but you also could just get stagnant. So I think it's going to be super interesting without a back-to-back anywhere on this trip, which is what the league is trying to do because that's how you can, you know, teams don't play as well on back-to-backs. That's known. So this is a good example of how the league has done it. It's also the Jazz are benefiting from that early schedule that was so brutal where I think they only have two back-to-backs the rest of the season. One of them is the final two days of the year. So, they just have a schedule that has a little more space in it right now because we played so many more games than everybody else early in the year. Steve Kerr told a story of when he played for the Bulls, and Phil Jackson had him and Jed Bushler go uh, hang out with Dennis Rodman. So they played, they played in Philadelphia. They had they had time off, and then they were going to New York, and they stayed in Philadelphia. And Phil said to those guys, "Look, Dennis needs." He needs companionship from his team so he doesn't get so disengaged. Will you go hang out with him? They ended up in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and didn't come back until the next morning at about 9.30, and they walked in the front lobby, and Phil uh, said, how was your night? And we'll see you at practice. So he knew they were out all night, and uh, but he knew that Dennis Rodman needed some companionship. So he was kind of managing, I guess, do, do you do, do things like that happen? Is there is there a balance between because you say you have time off and you know do do guys how do they how do they manage all that time? And I know guys probably have family and things like that. Uh, is Will Hardy a guy that just says, "Look, we're going to practice hard all the time," and or I need to give these guys a break from time to time? No, I don't think any coach in the league anymore has practiced hard all the time. I mean, I don't think Tom Thibodeau is anymore. You do that, you one, lose your team, and two, your team's tired. It's just too grueling. Um, you know, the on that story is I went out with Dennis Rodman and his group one night, and it was like the most boring night of my life. <laughs> what on earth did you guys do if you were like, hanging out with – where was this? Uh, we need this story. We're going to end up in – it's going to be unbelievable. We ended up in lumpies and sat in the corner of the bar all night. It was so boring. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I mean, maybe they were like, "Look, this isn't my this isn't my normal group. I can't get I can't be myself right now." So maybe, maybe that's part of it. Right. But <laughs> maybe 
24 or 5 or 6 of the time. So I could almost hang back then. Yeah. It's not like it's not like the old man version of me with readers. Um, <laughs> you know, I wasn't playing up readers to look at the bar menu oh like uh, the beer menu like I would have to today, but um, Oh, pulling out readers. So, is, that yeah. is that is definitely a moment where you go, "You know what? This is a different spot for me in life now. This is just what we have to deal with." It, I, two of these nights in my life where like I got to go out like and thought it was going to be amazing and was partying with celebrities. The other was, oh, shoot, I'm forgetting, Robbie Knievel. I was going to say Evil Knievel, son. <laughs> Robbie Knievel. Like, this dude, like, flies over, like, ravines and tight ropes and does crazy stuff like his dad. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> we ended up in some dude's house, and he, like, played the guitar, and the corner was probably so stoned he couldn't function. <laughs> and I was so bored. You know what? That's uh, you know what that is for for uh, for Robbie Knievel? That's load management right there. That's uh, that's how you kind of just like you got You have to manage yourself. Load management nights. You're right, Alex. That's exactly like. But well, and that brings us to our next spot here, where Charles Barkley's once again said he wishes these guys would play more. They were getting thirty, forty, fifty million dollars a year, and they should be playing more. And, right. and I know you have different thoughts about this. This is driving me freaking crazy. And I should never let Charles Barkley bother me because he's just entertainment. <laughs> but didn't he play what? the game? Didn't he go out and put his? Didn't he get his lunch pail on and and start and just go to work? Come on. There's three things that are going on here that drive me even crazy. <laughs> what are One, they? We can't simultaneously talk about. How amazing LeBron James is at 38, Steph Curry is at 34, Dame Lillard is at 32, and complain about load management at the same time. Every point guard in the world used to fall apart at 31 years old. There might be a reason why these guys are now playing to 35, 36, and 37. We're actually getting like three and four and five years more out of players than we used to. Matt Harpering, like... Fell apart at 29 years old, and this year he's playing till 35. Okay, so shut your pothole on that. Number two, it's not the players, it's the teams. If you ask the players, they'd probably play. Kawhi Leonard might be the one exception to this rule, but maybe not. But the play, the teams have invested hundreds of millions of dollars into these players, and so they are the ones doing load management because they want their players to peak at their value. Mm. They want them to peak at the most important times. It's not the players that are saying, like, I want out. I'll give you an example the other night with the Jazz. We're in Memphis. Lowry Marketing goes to warm-ups. Lowry Marketing doesn't look quite right in warm-ups. Sitting in the courtside watching Lowry Market. He pulls Lowry Market over, taps the seat next to him, says, Sit down. How are you? And Lowry's like, Oh, I can play. I can do this. I didn't ask you that. How are you? I could play. Okay. In other words, you're not answering the question. I don't know if that's exactly how the conversation went. But right? And Will Hardy and the Jazz Medical staff is like, This is our franchise. He's got knee soreness. He's a stud. He'll play. Why would we possibly play him tonight? Yeah. That wasn't load management. That's neat soreness. But you're also going to be like, what? Like, come on. Yeah. Right? Protecting your assets. Yeah. Like you yeah. Or a Bentley and drive it without oil. Do you? 
Let me. Uh, hey, well, I hey, do, Jeremy, I do, Jeremy but, go uh, ahead and make a note. We're gonna we're gonna shoehorn in a, a, a Charles Barkley question every week for Locke. <laughs> Just uh, it'll, it has to happen. <laughs> it's the load management thing. I think is I think the media is like really far off on how they should be guarding judging about the load management. I mean, I, so here's the next one that is interesting. It's like, and there's not a lot of science on load management. I think that's actually. What's super interesting about this is there really is not a lot of science to load management. But, like, I don't know if you have basketball reference in front of you, but let's use a former jazz player and Mike Conley. Okay. What do you got? Okay. What's the question? Go, go to Mike Conley on basketball reference and go look at his splits. And go look at what his numbers are when he has a day's rest and when he doesn't and right. when he has three days Two or three days rest. Now, there's no the, the science is that you are like nine percent slower on a back to back. That study's been done. You're probably you know, and so for the best players, if you're ten or fifteen percent less good, it's fine. But if you pull up Mike Conley's stats on back to back games and look at his back to back numbers compared to if he gets an extra day's rest, and tell me whether you would play him on a back to back. Yeah. When he gets that day's so, rest, when he gets a day's I, rest, I, he is uh, much more efficient than he when he is uh, when he has zero days rest. You're, it, you're by uh, by forty percent points wise. We're talking uh, about a seven point versus an eleven point night for the guy. And uh, shooting, give me his shooting percentages, three uh, point particularly. Uh, the three point shooting percentage on those nights 36 percent, twenty seven and a half percent on no days rest. So I get the whole resting players back-to-back, and maybe the back-to-back is more of the issue than load management, and maybe it's how they schedule games, and they talked about, you know, that they've been trying to change that and do all that different thing. And I, I, and, and I know you and I differ on this whole topic, and we've had a discussion about this before, and I'm just wondering about the fan who uh, pays a lot of money to go to a game, and they're expecting to see – you know the player who they're part of why they're making so much money is because these fans really like it. What about the fan who goes to a game and and the player they wanted to go see isn't isn't there? I know what your answer is going to be, but I just I think a lot of people um, feel that 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 these players should play more. And I I I and I agree with you. I don't know that there's necessarily enough uh, research on really you know what kind of impact load management has or can these players handle playing an 82 game season and and how much does does it really take off their careers because it seems to me that the training the technology the ability to recover is a whole lot better than it used to be back in the day and they understand that you know the the physical science of things is different nutrition's different everything is so different it just seems like the players should be able to handle it more where where's the answer to all of that well, so the last thing I'm going to quibble with is handle it more. Go watch an old film and watch how guys play defense, and then watch today. <laughs> so we're playing 10 to 15 possessions more every night, and guys are play- uh, guys used to guard their man. Now you're guarding an area, you're rotating, you're closing out 30 times a game. It's a far more difficult game to play defense than it was then because you're guarding team concepts instead of one-on-one. So the guys are moving much more. There's a much heavier load today on a player than there was in the past. Hmm. I so think it'd be actually less. No, it's not. I mean, if you watch the game, the old day you discarded your man. Now you're rotating over, coming over, switching, closing out, doing all these other right. things. 
and we're playing 15 possessions more per game. So you're going up and down the floor. If you played all 48, you're playing 30% more. I mean, you're playing 30 more possessions. You're playing about 15%. 36, 36 minutes is 15% more possessions than it was 15 years ago. Hmm. It's a lot. Uh, last one. So for every four, four games you play, you're playing a fifth game right now. Yeah. Last think one, about it that way. Last one before we get you out here, Locke, because I want to ask about uh, – so it's unfortunate to that individual fans come into one game to see his player. And frankly, at this point, if a fan's not watching, whether it's a back end of a back-to-back, they're not paying attention. That's a good point. That's a good point. Go to the front end of the back-to-back. Read the uh, the injury reports. Um, yeah, I mean, if a player's on a back-to-back, I'd wait to travel. I, w- I wouldn't fly into an NBA town to go see a player on a yeah. back-end of a back-to-back. Yeah, and then we found out that that family that flew in from Argentina and was like, ah, we came all this way to see this game. I was a little bit cooked, too. So, uh the question I did have about, is about Quinn Snyder, though. Quinn gets his uh, another shot here. I haven't been able to talk to you since then. He gets uh, he's going in. He's going to be the uh, Hawks coach. Is he taking them to the playoffs? They're five hundred today. Um. Well, that's a Quinn's got the loser in this trade is the San Antonio Spurs, who have the Hawks draft pick in twenty twenty five and twenty twenty seven. Because <laughs> Quinn Snyder will win you six to eight games good. as head coach over a course of a season. Huh. But I don't know if he can do it in 20 games without any time. Yeah. Like, this is so un. Quinn Snyder is about details and culture. And, like, I mean, there are, we could all tell a million stories about the most minute detail that Quinn Snyder worried about in regards to making sure the culture of the building. And felt, I mean, he cared about where doors were and whether the walkway in from the parking lot set the right tone for when you came into the food. I mean, he this, this guy worries about every detail, whether whether the art on the film room is correct for the mood of watching film. Wow. So for him to walk into a place on the 20th game with 20 games in the middle of the season is as contrary to his personality as I can imagine. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit flabbergasted that, that this is happening. Um, head start though, at least. I mean, if he's thinking about next year and getting going, it's a good way to uh, start to refine things. I guess you're getting thrown right into it. But it's interesting. I I think that's a it's a massive deal for them to be able to get Quinn. I'm I'm excited for him because I I I saw what he did here and I I know what kind of a coach he is. And so I look and I go, that guy. Atlanta's lucky, and I love Nate McMillan. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a Sonics fan, so I love Nate McMillan. But he was not the answer right then, and I think Quinn Snyder could be. They're about as contrary to coaches there are in the yep. league by the way they approach it. Um, you know, Quinn was going to be the best coach available on the market, and Landry Fields and Kyle Korver acted fast, and that's pretty smart. David Logg, voice of Utah Jazz. He's got 14 days worth of underwear exactly, and he should be, uh, he should be just fine on this road trip. So good luck on these, uh, these two Oklahoma double dips, and uh, we'll see you at Mickey Mantle Steakhouse. Should have I just uh, interrupted our show to honk at the guy who had his head in the phone so badly that he never saw me and just scared the living crap out of him, or should uh, I just let him go? You, hey, you he's probably listening to our show on his phone. <laughs> he's like, he goes, this guy had the nerve to honk at me. He's doing a twenty-minute interview on the radio right now while he's talking, but he's hands-free, so he's uh, he's doing it legally. That's right. So I'm, I didn't have my head down, not paying attention while I sat in the drop uh, circle while he just sat in the middle of it. Like, I love yeah. it. I love it. Lock, we'll talk to you All again. Right. Have fun on the See trip, you. man. There you See you go. guys. There's David Locke, voice of the jazz. That's a good one today. Got underwear, got a commando reference out of you. <laughs>
Just like see, imagining him shifting his in his seat on the last day of the road trip <clears throat> during calling the game. <laughs> uh, Try not to imagine any of that. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break here. We'll come back with us. Ninety-seven-five VKSL Sports Zone. Here we go. Go get it. Let's go. That's it. It's time for the unrivaled NFL Roundup. <laughs> Premium Grade A NFL news from a former NFL quarterback. And uh, the other guy on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is Unrivaled 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Alex Keery, Scott Mitchell. Thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. Scott, you heard the. Uh, Do you hear how we came back from break there? That introduced us to what. We're doing next, so that's yes. Uh, I was uh, I was aware of that. That's how I that's how I kind of keep myself where I'm at during the day. Yeah. If you don't play music for me, yeah, and tell me exactly which segment it is, I have a hard time remembering. Hey, music's so, at the soul of every performance. Uh, I agree. Which uh, we got to have like a full. We got to have an office karaoke party. Shouldn't oh, we do that sometime? Absolutely. Nice. Uh, but like, do it. I think I have two or three songs that I actually I know could you sing. Do. Actually. You know, I know you've got some. I see everyone's got a couple chambered, yeah. and they act like they don't. Yeah. They go, "Oh, I just I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to." And then they take the mic and they, they go, go uh, <laughs> "Play this one." <laughs> yeah, uh, here are my here are my favorites. It's usually a lot of uh, like '80s hair band kind of stuff. Is that kind of where you were going? Ah, uh, this one's from '72. What is it? Oh, you don't want to say like I'm going to steal your karaoke song? No, you wouldn't steal my song. No, I wouldn't. What is it? Uh, Bob Seger, Night Moves. On the road again. Oh, okay. <laughs> from 72. That's, yeah, what he, okay. that's how he introduced me. He said, hey, this one's from 72. I love it. Night Moves, uh, that's no. my favorite Bob Seger. Night, Night Moves? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a little inappropriate. You know, that's mm-hmm. why you like it, though. Yeah. Uh, NFL Roundup, Scott, as we said. Let's jump in here. So the Ravens think that they're going to be able to sign Lamar Jackson to a contract before deadline. When you say that kind of stuff, if you're a team, when you say, I, we think we're confident, we'll be able to sign him to a, uh, to a deal. Is that just them, like, wishful thinking? Because he might have something totally different going on in his head. I think the sticking point is the amount of guaranteed money we're talking about, right? This is the... Yeah, like all of it. Right, and he wants, like, a, uh, a, a four-year, five-year... He wants a Brinks truck. $220 million. Just back a Brinks, a Brinks, a Brinks truck, truck up to his house? Up to my house, and I'll be happy. If uh, this is all, the, if this not is the all small, monop- like, mini-size ones. Like, I want a big one. Yeah, it's got two guards. Yeah, a two guards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of guns poking out of the sides. <laughs> lots of bulletproof and everything. a whole lot of money inside. Here's the thing. Um, when a team says this to me, yeah. like, we're confident, it, it, it almost feels like we're posturing to say, this isn't going to work out. And we want to come back later on and said, "Look, we tried. We were the ones. We were we were yes. olive branch. We, told you. we were trying to help out the whole thing. That's exactly what this is. This, is, think, this is negotiating 101. I think Lamar Jackson is a lot like Dak Prescott in that they reluctantly signed Dak Prescott, and I'm not sure the Cowboys are sold that he is the guy. They are now. <laughs> that, you know, they they might not still be sold, but they've paid him like they, they are. No, I know, but. That, right, and they're in that situation. So I, I think the Ravens go. Do we do we do this or do we not do this? So you get a you gamble two hundred million. Lamar Jackson to me is it, I, I could see why the Ravens do this. I I, I would be a little nervous you get nervous about. about it. Yeah. Well, because the injury stuff. I mean, it came up yeah. this year, right? Right. And so he's negotiating for himself. I just don't know if. But I mean, you always talk about how this money's all monopoly money, and it's less about. It's less about the money, I think, and more about 
the the Ravens don't want to feel the same pressure that the that the Browns have already had to go through. It's amazing to me the Browns have already done this with a guy who was a massive gamble, right? But le- right. What was last, I mean, it is just insane to me because it, in my mind, it's less of a gamble with Lamar Jackson than it was with a thousand percent. Well, it's, well, it's a, it's. I don't know if it's a less of a gamble. It's just a gamble for a different reason. Yeah, yeah. But here, here's the thing: if you're the player, and I don't know that I could answer this because it, it seems super greedy once you get past you know, 150 million dollars guaranteed. <laughs> I mean, re- I mean, I love really? How that's the number now? Like, oh, that is now 150 guaranteed. You were fine. As soon as you went over that, like, how dare you? Right. And so, so I think if you're a player, look, you got to go. I need a team around me. I also need to make sure that I'm not necessarily getting shorted, that I'm not being out negotiated, because that's kind of a thing too. And then you have to ask yourself, at what point can I really live with if this is the worst case scenario? If the worst case scenario is I get paid the guaranteed money, and I don't see a dime of the rest of the contract, am I okay? You know, do I get injured, new coach comes in, don't like me, whatever happens. Why is football the only one? Why? I mean, out of the major sports, that guaranteed money, this isn't a thing. It seems like the one that is the most uh, insane that that wouldn't be happening. If you look, like guaranteed if you look money at in baseball most, seems crazy. Right, but if you look at most players – the average career is three three point one years, so so over a, over an entire team, um, you have you 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 have, you know, twenty percent of your team is going to get like turned over every year. Yeah. So in five years, your whole entire team is going to be completely different. And you're guaranteeing money to all these people. I mean, down think the of road. the think of Philadelphia that went to the Super Bowl. Most of the guys on that Super Bowl team were not on the Super Bowl team when Doug Peterson was there, sure. what, four or five years mm-hmm. ago. And that's just kind of how it works. So then and you're so, on the hook for this money all of this these money. guys that don't you're, even stay. You're going to have Bobby Bonilla Day, you know, with every NFL team. But but they do that with contracts now where they go, hey, yeah, we're going to give you a two-year contract that's going to be worth $2.5 million for this guy who's the 52nd guy on the on the roster. And guaranteeing $2.5 million for two years for this guy is a lot different than guaranteeing $200 million for so you, you, four years or yeah. five years for a quarterback. So the idea with, with free agency was part of part of the mystique of, of the NFL was you drafted a player and they were kind of yours. So that's the franchise. Forever. That's, that's used to be what they were. And yeah. that was kind of the thing. But also a lot of a lot of the NFL was brought together by small market teams. The Green Bay Packers, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, even teams like the Miami Dolphins; these were not major market teams. They weren't. They weren't the Detroit, or the you know the Chicago Bears and the New York Giants and some of these some of these big franchises that are in big markets. And so they were protecting the smaller market, which is which is a decent number of teams in the NFL. I mean, you could say Carolina, you could say Jacksonville, you could say um, you could say I don't know about Tampa, but you could say. You know, Kansas City, Tennessee. I mean, a, a lot of teams in the NFL uh, have this small market, and if you if you guarantee everything, and if you, um, you know, you just kind of have a free range on everything, then the teams with all the money are the teams that end up being the the best teams. Um, and and you 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 basically lose your league. I'd pay for Lamar Jackson to be there for four years. For four and I years, it all, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, four years. Four years. People wh- will do anything. Yeah. It's, what does he want? That's what I'm wondering. Is, is yeah. he want eight years, three hundred million dollars, just to be like that guy? Who's I'm sure. Yeah. You know. Hmm. Well, what, it, me, it, what me, it is is it's it's basically saying, 
I'm guaranteeing the rest of my career. And if I get past anything beyond that, it's all gravy, right? It's like, you know, so here's my best years. I'm going to, I don't have to worry about a contract. I don't have to worry about any of this. And I can just go play and I'm good. Let me, uh, can we make a pack? I know we haven't agreed on this beforehand, but so, okay. but you, so you have to listen to the terms of the pact. All right. Well, give me the terms and we can negotiate. As of right after I tell you this one thing, can we not talk about Aaron Rodgers anymore until he actually signs with somebody? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Sure. So apparently I he found- I can agree to that right apparently now. Apparently he, he found inner peace in the darkness <laughs> there in Oregon or whatever it was. Um, and he says that he's, he vows to make a decision soon. The Packers are not feeling great, I think, about the the future with Aaron Rodgers. But the Raiders are also kind of desperate right now because they feel like they need to find a quarterback, which makes me also think that maybe he is not even considering Vegas. But Aaron Rodgers, I don't want – this guy is such an attention-seeking, ridiculous – he is an attention whore. There you go. I said it. And I don't want to give him any more attention than he deserves. And so he's not going to get any attention from this show – until he gets signed with somebody. Can so I can that? say whatever I want right now, and then we're done with yes. it? Yes. Okay. Yes. So here's the last thing I'm going to say about Aaron Rodgers at this point. It actually sounds like Aaron Rodgers is trying to be a responsible teammate. Because it's like, if you have to get clarity, it's like you're not going to wait until after the draft. You're going to give a, chan- a team a chance to really evaluate players and go, do we want to go after a quarterback in the draft or not? Or in free agency, do we want do we want uh, you know Aaron Love to be our Jordan Love to be our guy uh, or not? And 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 Aaron Rodgers goes, okay, I just need a little bit of time to clear my head. And I think anyone anyone would say that's reasonable. Now, how you go about clearing your head? Most people, you know, some people go and pray about it. Some people go play golf about it. Some people go sweat and get in a stinky place and don't take a shower and. Barely go to the bathroom. That's how you. That's how you. Uh, so I that's think how you find yourself. Come yeah. On. So I think he's. I think he's done that, and now he's in a place where he goes, okay, I'm ready to move forward. Okay. Whatever I do moving forward, I'm going to feel good about it. He did the spiritual search at ayahuasca last year. He went into an Oregon uh, Hobbit hole for uh, four days or whatever it was. Like at some point, chasing this weird dragon that he's chased to. Uh, you know, find himself, quote unquote, find himself. We're going to be in a real weird spot in two or three, two or three years. Like the the places he's going to end up to try to find himself. I think we're going to be. I mean, maybe he goes with Tibetan monks. You know, and, yes, do something. And, At know. this point, he's got a brand. He's got to keep it up. You got to go some weird. But places. he's trying. You know, he's trying Is to find he, himself. I think he's more. I think he's more interested in people just seeing how strange he is. Maybe he's sponsored by certain things, and each year he goes out and gets a new sponsor. Brought to you by Psychedelic Mushrooms. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> who's, who's this guy? Uh, all right. Daniel Snyder, did you see this uh, big brain move that he had? Yes. We had a conversation about oh, it. Oh, you did? Yeah. I just wanted to bring up that we might make fun of this, but all of us are trying to find a tax break somewhere. I mean, that's what this is, no, right? right? No, like, that's what I said. It's like, I know everyone goes, oh, what a... How dare he? No, it's all... It's all. It's, he it's, asks his accountant, what yeah. could we do? And he goes, dude, you could actually put a logo on your plane. You fly it around, and you could claim that it's advertising. And guess what? You're the guy who makes those decisions anyway, so... And charge, you know, charge the club... An you know, insane amount. $10 million a year for the use of your jet that you're actually using in your f- official right. capacity right. is... You know, the owner of this the, the, this entity. I love it. Yeah. Uh, can't wait for him to be out of the game, but that was, hey. When you have billionaires that own sports franchises, these are the these kind are of the things. These are the decisions they yeah. make. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. We've got more to go around the corner. When we do, we've got our two-minute drill that you don't want to miss. Uh, is there more Pippin and Jordan news that has nothing to do with Michael Jordan or Scottie Pippin? Just uh, their, their family members who are dating each other? All right. That's all coming up. Stay right here with us. More to go. 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. Your home for the best coverage of the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies. This is Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. It's not so right. Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's your two-minute drill right here uh, on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Alex Keery, Scott Mitchell. Thanks for being with us on the program. You know, so we were just talking about this. Well, let's fire up the music, Scott, and you can tell us what a uh, you can tell us what we do with a two minute drill, and then we'll get into that whole thing. So, here's our music, and uh, that music means one thing, Scott. We're at the end of this hour, and yes. we've got a two minute drill. Please mm-hmm. explain what it is, since you've actually run a two minute drill. All right, before. I will try to do that. Late in a football game, got to go down the field, kick a field goal, score a touchdown. Don't have a lot of time, so you hurry. Our show's the same way. We still have a lot to talk about, but not a lot of time, so we. Hurry up and talk a little bit about a lot of things and finish the show. Go home happy with the trophy because everyone gets one of those because we participate along with a plethora of desserts that include chocolate souffle, flan from Spain, key lime pie from Florida, gelato from Italy, baklava from Greece, and cake from Walmart. There you go. There's all of it. That's it. Uh, so In a nutshell. Here's the, uh, here's the first one. I did want to bring this up. Tom Brady is uh, sponsoring a, a car in yes. the 24-hour... Lamar race. Yeah. That's how you say it, by the way. It's Lamar. It's not Les Mans. You'll get in trouble for saying it. You're uh, yeah. calling it Les Mans. But uh, 24 hour Lamar, and he's sponsoring a uh, a Porsche in that 24 hour race. Now, Lamar probably lo- it's lost a lot of its uh, luster. I mean, I th- I heard of Lamar when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's I don't know what he's sponsoring. He just says he's. He's getting a car. Maybe he's just getting in the racing industry. And he's just yeah, like, maybe. You know, I was like, all right, I want to. Yeah, throw me a car in there. Uh, let's see what we can do with this. I, so he's he's getting into it, and I guess he wants to be a part of this uh, racing team, this Hertz team, Joda. Uh, I mean, and, he does do the Hertz, you know. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's. I guess that's, that's how they're is. paying him a little bit. They so just, let me ask you this then. Let's go. So during Brazilian Carnival, that's what he says. Yeah, let's go during Brazilian Carnival. Uh huh. His ex-wife now, uh, yes, Giselle, Giselle, she was very outwardly uh, showing her affection toward very many people at that. Uh, and I thought, this is her getting back at the guy, right? A thousand percent. I think you said it earlier, too. It was like, yeah. what, I don't well, know what you said. It was something about, like, she's yeah, the, she's she's got a Brazilian. The Brazilian way is to. Ooh, uh, very yeah, vindictive. You're dead to me. There's a spiciness to yes. the uh, attitude. And I, and I agree because, listen. A hell hath no fury like a Latin American lady <laughs> scorned. Scorned. She yes. will. She'll come after yeah. you. No, it's hell hath. No, I think the real quote from from uh, Shakespeare is hell hath no fury like a supermodel, a, a Brazilian supermodel <laughs> scorned. Yes, name that, Giselle. <laughs> name Giselle. <laughs> I mean, if you have a name Giselle, you're probably. Listen, she's gonna, probably got. Yeah. She's probably got some uh, some attitude issues. And Tom Brady's out here sponsoring cars. That's not getting the type of attention that she is on a float no. at Carnival. So. Uh, Tom, we wish you the best of luck. Maybe that was the thing. Career. Is like she was into 
Brazilian carnival, and he mm. was into sports cars sure. racing. And that they just didn't they jam. Just, they go, "This is what this is what retirement's going to be." <laughs> and they both said, "Nah, not for me." Hey, uh, Larsa Pippen, Scotty Pippen's ex-wife, uh-huh. uh huh, says that she actually has been hanging out with Michael Jordan. Not not in the way that you might be thinking, because it's actually Michael Jordan's son who's dating her. Oh boy! But it's like he. So what does she do? She asks permission. Uh, I'd love to marry your son, Mr. Jordan. I think this is all fake. I think this is all put together. Yeah, it becomes that, that, so like, wild, though. Someone's playing a prank on someone else. Like, like Scottie Pippen goes, all right, I want to get Michael back really bad. So here, try this. Oh, my gosh. This is like the idea of a guy. Well, no, it would be Michael Jordan's son has to go to Scottie Pippen. Right. Or no, it has- does he go? no, it's his ex-wife. Yeah, it's his ex-wife. That's why oh, I'm saying so he can. she's going to Michael and saying, uh, I would love your son's uh, hand in marriage. <laughs> Isn't there kind of a rule where you're just not supposed to date your friend's exes? Uh, or, yeah. Or, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, your friend's an, kids and your friend's exes. Yeah, all those things There's an unwritten be, law about yes. you. Just, these are the things you don't do. I know they're adults. It's fine. But you know what? Can you, like, Scotty Pittman, I, I'm not a huge fan of, especially since all right. the stuff he's come out and said. But, like, can we at least not go there? Why does she have to date my? How, oh, we met just by by happenstance, and I happen to be dating Michael Jordan Jr. Well, let's say they get married, mm. and let's say they have kids, and then all of a sudden they have a kid that becomes like this amazing basketball player. So Michael Jordan is watching his grandson and Scottie Pippen watching his or granddaughter, either one, it doesn't matter. Uh, that would be a fun event to watch, to watch the grandparents having to sit and watch. You know, the son, the grandson, I don't know, in the All-Star game in 20-some years from now. So when they – oh, I was thinking it would be interesting if they – yeah, I guess if, if Michael Jordan Jr. and and uh, and uh, Larsa Pippen had a kid together, it wouldn't be – I guess you could make Michael Jordan – he would be the grandfather, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> Like, this is so weird. That's just so weird. Well, that's just how the drama continues. Uh, So did you see that the Live Tour got its ratings back for the CW? They weren't good. Not good. Yeah. Now what? They just keep going. It's Pac-12 Network. Could they go to the CW? (laughs) Who, the Pac-12? Yeah. (laughs) Or the Pac-12. Could they go to the CW? Sorry, that's a salty... uh, I think the Live Tour will will live on. Will live on? Listen, they've got uh, the money for it. I heard heard uh, an interview with... Greg Norman, and he was just very much look the way he the way he presented this tour, actually is very compelling, and it should work. And you know what he did say in this interview that I heard him say, he goes, "Those golfers should all thank me for how how big of a raise I got them on the PGA Tour." At the very least, yeah. the competition made the PGA wake up and go, "You know what? We've been uh, we've been we've been stealing from these uh, these players a little bit." So they they have egg on their face, and even if the live tour doesn't live on, there you go. All right. Uh, we'll be back next hour. We'll see you then. 97.5 DKSL Sports. This is Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. With the access and insight on the teams you're passionate about. I love it, baby. Presented baby, baby, baby. by G2G Bars. This is 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. Oh, hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's uh, unrivaled. 97.5 VK Sports Zone. Alex Keery, Scott Mitchell, final segment of the day. So, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at this whole situation with Dan Snyder in Washington. 
and the NFL owners are apparently getting uh, putting up one of their own for a vote. Uh, and this doesn't happen very often, number one. And number two, the owners typically kind of look out for each other, right? It's a bunch of uh, – it's kind of a good old boys club. Not kind of, Scott. Am I am I overdoing it by saying it's a well, good old boys club? Yes and yes oh, come and on. no. Well, no. But look, part of this with Daniel Snyder and why it's coming up for a vote is there may be others that are implicit in this. And so I think it's one of those things that you kind of walk ginger, gingerly with uh, as to how, how you handle this. Uh, I don't, Because remember there were guys he had quote-unquote dirt on? Remember he right. threatened that whole thing? Mm-hmm. And 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 it looks like, um, it looks like I think they're coming to some negotiation of Daniel Snyder's going to sell this team. Well, then why would they need a a vote? Well, why would you need to go through the whole thing with a the, vote? The vote may be because to scare the, him into it. Well, no, because the look, there have been some nefarious things going on with the Washington Commandos. Okay, I don't know what it is, um, but there there's just a lot of smoke going on here. And who knows who knows who's behind it all? I mean, it it got John Gruden fired, and and there so there has to be other stuff going on, and and the NFL maybe they feel like we've got to have a vote to protect ourselves. Look, we all got together as a gen, you know, as a as an organization, and uh, we needed to review everything that went on, and we we need to discuss what you know what what it looks like moving forward. You know, we live in a world today where. You, you know the the behavior that apparently went on with the with the Redskins, whoever they are, I don't even know. It's just so dumb. I hate I hate even talking about them. But they there's something that's gone on there, or they wouldn't be doing any of this stuff. They're just it just it just smells bad. Everyone I'm sure is trying to protect their own interest, including Daniel Snyder, and and uh, we'll see where where it where it ends up. I don't know how many friends he actually has. Well, he's got to have twenty. He's got to have more than twenty four. In the room to be able to uh, to win that vote. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, for Scott Mitchell, Alex Keery, Jeremy hitting the buttons over across the glass there. We'll be back again tomorrow on another edition of Unrivaled 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.